how One Direction was founded? Do you, know, no. do you understand how it started? It was a super group that they put together from like a contest, right? Well, was, we were watching last night uh, the K-pop. We were watching uh, B- B- BTS. BTS. The, okay. It's a Korean. They were on SNL. Yeah. They were the big uh, Korean group. Okay. Uh, they're like huge, apparently. I don't know. Okay. But uh, but uh, Britain's Got Talent, or what, I, I could be wrong with what it's called. They've got like their top four like male singers in their competition. Well, the group that didn't make the top the top like three, mm. they put into like a, a foursome okay. to make a band and they made them One Direction. Ah. I met in Rhode Island a couple of years ago the dude who was the first guy who got voted off before okay. getting One Direction. Like first runner up? Yeah. Sort of He's thing. a brilliant... His I, He played piano and his voice... It was an it was an angel, and he yeah. just sang, and it was like an it was like a drunk night, like piano man. We we're at a at a house party, and all the women's panties fell <laughs> off completely. And I was and I, I was love about a piano singing. man. I really do. I I mean, like I I do sing, but I do stand up more. But like I watch so much more singing than I watch stand up. Really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that singing was a thing of yours. That's so awesome. Oh, yeah. You just wow. want, you want sometimes what you don't have. Like, I feel like every Maybe. athlete wants to be a rock star. Every rock wow. star, like, hangs with the thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's Maybe. always like you, the, re- the respect be. for something that you're not, but. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I didn't know. know you were a singer. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. your, like, genre? I mean, what do you do? I just, I like big, like, diva hits for the most part. Um, Like, a, a lot of, like, Whitney Houston, Deborah Cox. That's, wow. that's cool. what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I might as well introduce uh, us, yeah. everyone. This welcome to the SAP, uh, Dave Neal with Tasha Courtney and Hello. Liz Glazer. Thank Hi. you so much for joining welcome. us today. Thanks for having me, guys. We've been chatting all day. We had yeah. a stand-up show earlier, and then we were listening to music that I can't play on the iTunes. So <laughs> we just like finally decided to turn that off and start talking. Why are you petting me? What's because going on? Because you're covered in dog hair. I was trying to hair. be... N- well, thank the, you, the I whole. was trying to be discreet about it, <laughs> but okay. Thank you so much for doing, first of all, the yeah, stand-up show today sure. and then the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's I, a full day of us and I I'm know. very sorry. <laughs> I, I'm thrilled. Truly. I'm still drunk. Okay. Are there. you a little tipsy? It's important that people know I'm, I'm, I'm turning 34 in a couple of weeks. I don't okay. drink anymore. Oh, I have okay. 10 drinks a month. I had uh-huh. seven of them today. Uh-huh. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't drink anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like today we get we do, everyone who listens knows we've been doing this mimosa stand-up show this is our yeah. third month running it's pretty much been it was a great show thank you of course, yeah you, it you was really it. fun Thanks. but yeah. despite all of the like trouble <laughs> and traffic for oh, those of sure. you listening that didn't watch my instagram story they were repaving the road that this like exactly right outside of the venue while it yeah. was happening listen <laughs> like, i'm a positive guy sure i like positivity you know no matter what we'll figure it out yeah. we're driving over it's 10 15 in the morning right it's an 11 30 show right so it's maybe 10 30 in the morning tasha's finally ready she's done all of her instagram stories you know seventh take she's waiting for it you know she waited for the i was having, i was trying to get an elton john song on mm. because i felt like sorry i'm chewing i felt like this past week i've been sort of negative nancy because okay. i just haven't felt really great and oh. um i feel like i was like negative on my instagram stories and so i was like you know what i feel fucking good i'm wearing a dress i put makeup yeah, on today sure <laughs> So, I was like, the El- you know, Elton John, the bitch is back. Yeah. I was like, I I've got a, uh, it's a jam. Okay. But um, I was like, oh man, that's a good song for today because I feel good. Yeah. And 
and you're back. Something I'm bitches bad. Yeah, Liz, I'm I've bad. got the door open. I got all my things in my hands. I've already uh-huh. got nine liters of champagne packed. I got uh-huh. a gallon of OJ. I've got all the th- I got all yeah. the equipment, everything you need for the show. I've got it all packed. My, the door's open. I'm ready to go, and she's waiting for the beat to drop on her Snapchat. Well, because uh-huh. I didn't. I first it. of all, I'm unfamiliar with the music right section of instagram you know i can do boomerang music blah 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 normally i just like do a thing and add the music after because i know how to do that but Mm -hmm. i was like if you if you do the music section then you can get like cool effects on it like the glitch or whatever i don't know i was trying to do it it didn't work out it didn't work for me but i didn't realize that you could scroll to the chorus before instead of waiting so i was like standing here waiting for the chorus to record and then i pressed it and didn't work Uh i don't never mind long story short because it doesn't matter yeah um 50 tanks later i was like why can't i get this well we live we live a mile east of the venue we drive Uh up to the venue and we see that the road's blocked and it's Uh like fine nbd right i'm gonna go around the corner i'm gonna take the side roads yeah and then every side road the road is blocked Uh, and i go we got a parade we got a parade that we're gonna have to deal with and then the closer i get i realize it's worse the only thing worse than a parade is that they're gonna repave the whole fucking neighborhood Mm -hmm. which is what they were doing and i go look we gotta call the show off we just can't do it i'm not Mm -hmm. putting nine liters of champagne to nobody we're not doing the show (laughs) i was completely cynical like no show it's over blah 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 i text the group i'm like traffic sucks you blah 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 and then Tasha's like chill the fuck out and we find parking yeah and then we realized yeah but literally they were paving five feet away from the venue of course you were there you saw it yeah and smelled it and smelled it (laughs) and uh and 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 not only that but i mean literally during my opening set the ground was shaking the the whole show wasn't just you the whole show we were like getting a massage we're like in massage (laughs) chairs while like the earth movers rolled by yeah (laughs) but we did it you went up early and you murdered it you had a great set yeah you really did have a great set thanks guys I like to just tease this to our audience listening because, mm. you know, they're, they they like to know what's going on with oh, us and how the yeah, show went. And sure. we had several podcast listeners drive in from Lancaster 50 minutes away. No traffic yeah. 50 minutes. That's a two-hour drive during the week. And then Red, Redlands, which is an hour and a half or more, uh-huh. one drove... They, they were in San Diego yesterday, drove up to Redlands and then drove over. They so were they, getting a lot of miles in. They huh. literally... And I'm like, do you know what you're coming to see? Like, what are you doing? Like, that's crazy that anyone... But it was a fun show. It was, it was a, a great really show. Great show. Yeah. We love our listeners. They yeah. really like go the extra mile, extra hundred miles, miles for us. Right. <laughs> like, the thank best you so much, I love, guys. we have Chase came for the third week in a row, the uh-huh. third month in a row, the college kid, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember. He, yeah. He's from my home street in Rhode Island. Oh, Island. interesting. Yeah, my bro- he's my brother's okay. friend. And then we had Vic came. Mm-hmm. She's, and now Vic knows, she's already listening. Vic's the first one to download this podcast. <laughs> I should have used a fake name. Vic's, she's, uh, she's already, Vic's hooked up with previous comics we've had on stand-up okay. shows. I'm just going to say it. Vic's like all about... She's You know Vic what I mean? Vic is going to be calling you like, edit that out. That's huh. why this month she was like, I'm not dating white guys anymore. She won't probably like warn me. Like, don't, bring, okay. don't give me any of your white fucking dudes. But anyway, the point is, is that if I can have podcast listeners also try to hook up with my single comedy friends. Sure. Sure, right? Why not? Yeah, you're a matchmaking service. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Liz, we should rebrand. Yeah. That's all we want to do. Like uh-huh. like your boy Dave, back in college, I was a social chair of my fraternity. Really? That's my job. I did that for, uh, I think it was like one semester and I planned a date party. What? Like a date? speed dating type No, thing? no. Like, like why? 
was it were they called date parties um oh uh, so, oh um uh when it, it's a, it a social a social, a when, social yeah, when you're with yeah. another sorority a well, sorority no, no, fraternity. No, it, was, it wasn't even like pairing it was just like us and then you could bring a date but i'm trying to think if they had for some reason when i'm saying date party it doesn't sound like the right <laughs> how, old are, how old are we <laughs> I, I, i'll be was like 40. a couples kind of thing Is yeah that like i took okay. I, I took my boyfriend at the time i had a boyfriend in college i'm a lesbian now but like um, I mean, I guess I always was a lesbian, but like it, you know, I dated it's still, a guy still testing college. the waters a, yeah, little a little bit. bit. I think it was like, I, I always knew that I was gay, but then in college I liked this guy and I was 18 years old and I had never dated women before that because I just like had never dated a person before that. Yeah. And so then we dated for three and a half years. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was like a major relationship. And where did you go to um, school? I went to Penn in Philly. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And from from New York, Liz. Yeah. Well, and I'm from New Jersey. From Jer- Jersey. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. the better right outside of, the of New York. State, Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Almost. And Except if you say New York near there, then they're like, you're lying. <laughs> uh, that's the same thing from Boston. It's like, you, yeah. everyone's like, I'm from Boston. It's like, no, you're not. Where you're from? Right, they're like, right. New Hampshire. It's right. just, you just say what you say. It's the narcissism of small differences, I guess. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That'd be a great title for the show, The Narcissism of Small Differences. I mean, it's, I think it's it like down. a phenomenon. Is yeah. that a real phenomenon? Yeah. Interesting. Now you've okay. So you knew you were gay, but mm-hmm. liked a guy enough to have that be a thing. Sort or how of. Does that even yeah. Work out? I mean, yeah. Like I, I grew up with parents who didn't approve of gayness, and I went to religious school, and so everything I was taught was like that being gay was wrong, and for the most part, I was like rule abiding, and so there was an inner dissonance around homosexuality for sure and so then when i was in college and i dated this guy you know it wasn't like i i mean it's it's hard to i sort of feel like when i think and talk about that experience that i like i i want to have the knowledge of the future and you know what i mean like infused into that moment in the past because it's not that i knew any differently the level of my homosexuality it's just that i was like well you're not supposed to be gay and you're not supposed to do what you're not supposed to yeah so there's guess, like a suppression yeah. there you know yeah it's like, like i was i was little yeah you know and i was so like trying young. to do the right thing i think was what it was my best friend in college yeah. was a guy we all knew he was gay sure and no one cared but for him we don't know. Like, I don't want to judge how he grew up, but for him, he he wasn't ready to come out. He was still dating women. He was he was banging. He was yeah. doing all of his things. We were like, cool, man. But then every once in a while, you'd hear that he like kissed a guy at our formal. And you'd be like, right. what the fuck? <laughs> but like, if we just had known he was gay, we'd be like, oh, come on. The second he graduated, it kind of just all hit. He's like, I'm moving to Boston. I'm gay. And we're like, dude, we love you, man. And he yeah. was so shocked that we were there for him yeah. that I was like, I felt so bad for the pain. He must have felt wondering if we would even accept him. Sure. So but that- I... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure that there you that 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 fear is real where some people don't accept you. They still have to get around to their own. Well, and it's just coming to yeah. terms with yourself too. Yeah, like, all think, of that mm-hmm. is a process, right? I think it was probably a little more of that. I don't know that I was concerned specifically about any person other than like my parents, you know. And and so in in that insofar as that was concerned, it wasn't like I needed so much the approval of my parents specifically as it was this idea of like I don't want to do something wrong. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, where it's it's not so much like the approval of a specific person, um, but rather like, oh my God, I'm doing something terribly wrong. 
Do you think the times like religiously, have, like yeah. morally, right? Okay, exactly. yeah. Do you think yeah. this critical mass has hit, or that's completely changed, or do people? Is this like a still a common thought? I mean, I have. have no idea. I've only ever thought inside of my own brain, and so I would never <laughs> purport to like make a claim about like what the critical mass is or isn't. How do you feel in hindsight? With about all. myself? Uh, it's just about the fact that like the struggle with coming out and then yeah. where you are now for people that yeah. might feel the same way, but they're just not there. Like they haven't been able to have, you know. I mean, I I appreciate every single part of my history. Like, you know, I have a joke about my relationship with my ex-boyfriend where, you know, I say like, and, and this comes from truth that people are like, were you faking it? Like, do you wish you didn't do it? And it's like, no, it was like a three and a half year relationship. Like I'm not like the Daniel day Lewis of heterosexuality. I wasn't like <laughs> faking it. I can have an appreciation for a connection with another person, but it's just that at, at some point I realized that I preferred having sex with women. And then at a later point I realized that I preferred having sex that I preferred having. And that is yeah. my coming out story. Like, yeah. And, and, but like, wanting to fast forward any part of that just like i don't know it isn't that's the all point. a point of your journey yeah like i i don't really think so much about that stuff in general you know like um i think it's probably because for me i used to think a lot about it so like stand up for me and acting and writing and doing all of the things that like we do now for me was a second career my first career i taught law school it was much more like traditional in in the sense of this was like the thing that my parents wanted me to do it was like the reason that i went to college or law school or whatever and in that career there was such a track it was so linear and you know like i had some success in it and i get, i mean i was grateful for that but like there was when I was in that career because it was like I was a tenure track professor, which meant that there was, you know, a certain timeline. And then after a certain number of years passed, I would or wouldn't get tenure and that kind of thing. So it was like very much this like timeline based existence. And in doing stuff that I do now, and I, I guess, I don't know, like it's hard to find like one word for it, I guess, but like entertaining, you know, but as a professional, um, I try to remain as patient as I possibly can. If for no other reason, then I think that that's really what I retired from when I gave up law teaching. Like, sure, I gave up that job. But I think I gave up like a way of thinking about the world. You know, I spent a lot of time like, being impatient. I spent a lot of time trying to prove that I was right. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't want to do that anymore. There's a lot of structure too that comes with. Pro sure. I'm, sure, I'm assuming teaching and also with the law world where yeah. now we're in the world where it's funny. Be funny on stage. There's like right. room for experimentation, not just like in comedy, but like in your life. Like if you want to try this thing or dabble in this thing, yeah. you're allowed to do it versus like the point A to point B. Yeah. And I mean, I, I imagine that there are people, I don't know that they would be listening to this specifically, but like were they to be listening to it that might argue that even in law teaching or in law careers, there's also experimentation. And I don't doubt that for somebody that may be the experience. It just wasn't my experience in that career. You know, you know, I also wonder, and, and by the way, I did want to mention for, for Tasha's sake, how excited yeah. I was to have you on this podcast oh. because I don't really know you well, but yeah. I, 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 and I've told you this before on stage and I yeah. know it probably 
you just take it with a grain of salt. But like, I really connected with Liz. Yeah, I met her just here. It's you know, true. we did these we did these <laughs> mics that are during the daytime where you do a longer set and you just hear someone like pour their heart out and it's you know you're getting there's no laughs, there's no audience and it's a really long amount of time on stage and I'm just kicking shit on stage and I really it's connected. Vulnerable. With, yeah, <laughs> but I really connected with you and I really Thank like you. was like ah, oh, this is like I felt like a friend that I didn't yeah. know yet, but yeah. like I just I felt that too. Oh, and I, you yeah. guys are probably like soul friends. Listen, yeah, Liz, I think so. I'm not. I'm not secure enough to like believe you, but okay. I really meant. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Where like I really meant yeah. it, and then like she was like, "Oh, no, I feel the same way." I was like, "No, listen, you're. Ba- I just ate shit on stage, but like, <laughs> I really because you had only you've only seen me literally bomb on stage. You've only seen me well, do that's these not like entirely but, true. You know, it kind of is like it's those no 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 feedback sort of rooms where I'm just kind of like you know. Uh-huh. Anyway, I don't want to make it about me. The point was sure. <laughs> yeah. is that like it was it was so good to like introduce to like have you guys yeah. meet and then also. Yeah. And it's really I, nice to meet you. It is you. nice to meet but you. I, too. But I also have a trillion questions. So you, sure. so you're you you go to law school. Yes. You go to Penn. You go to law school. Yes. And are you just? Ju- I mean, is it is it the same way with your sexuality, where where you're in the closet because like yeah. this is the way life's supposed to be? Did you feel the same way with your career yeah. choice? Like, That's there's a no good other question. options. Um, I mean. I think there is a similarity and I've been working on, you know, connecting some of my sexuality jokes to some of my, you know, coming out of like law teaching jokes. And I think you're right to notice that there's a, there's a similarity there. Um, but I, I didn't, it's dissimilar in the sense that I always knew that I was gay, meaning I always knew that I had an attraction toward women, but I didn't always know that I, I didn't always know that being a comedian was a job or being an actor was a job. Like, obviously I had seen people on television every now and then I wasn't like a huge stand up fan as a kid or anything like that. My parents weren't either, but I, you know, I remember seeing like Margaret Cho as an example of someone, Joan Rivers, like on stage on, uh, television like in my you know den growing up um but i i I didn't i think i thought that people who found themselves on television were just like almost like aliens you know (laughs) that there was no or like lottery winners yeah it's just like very impractical there's no coming Uh, up they just were there they were just the chris rock selling out madison square garden they weren't the open mic or chris and and specifically i mean i think you're right to note that there is this kind of like you know zero to stardom thing that I was perceiving. But I think in addition to that, I just never even considered that those people were children who had made choices and had took action on them and had committed to those actions. Like none of the kind of processes of becoming something, you know, that I was familiar with, like whether it was as a child from like making a decision and then, you know, recognizing that like, Oh, I wanted to go in the pool. So I put on a swimsuit and I went in the pool. Like none of that kind of logical progression entered into my mind about any career that wasn't one that my parents like well because it's not mm-hmm. a well laid path right you know it's right. not like they tell you when you're little like oh if you want to be in Hollywood you yeah. have to go do this and X and, and Y and Z and get an agent and take classes like, sure you, nobody right. spells it out for you how sure. to do it it requires a huge leap of faith yeah. versus just like following what's easy I mean I, I'm yeah. so guilty of that I did that in college yeah. first of all I was like massively depressed like my okay. junior and senior year of high school so I was pretty much useless yeah. and Um, and uh, kind of like let my parents steer the Uh way for me. Like they were like, okay, you're artistic. So you should go to fashion design school because they know I liked clothes and was artistic. So like, 
you know, we applied to like a few different schools, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so uh-huh. I just followed the thing that was like most laid out yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, like that, I, d- I right. didn't know what else to do except right. like do what everyone else is doing, go to college and pick sure. a major. And yeah. So I, I connect with that. And that I think was definitely true for me. And like my parents are children of Holocaust survivors and were very wow. like, I think affected by that specific kind of anxiety, like very much like nobody can ever take your education away from you, you know, with the clear implication that like they're going to take other things away from you. No, you're right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Like that, that type of mentality. And so, you know, I was like good with words and good in like writing stuff. And so, you know, going to law school seemed to be like the most reasonable path in light of that. And I mean, I want to say this too, that like, it would be so silly of me to regret any of that because I am supported continually by the years that I spent doing that. So like I'm able to pursue this stuff with, you know, a lot of attention because I did that first. And so, you know, it's not to say that if it would have been otherwise, then I would have, I mean, you know, I can't, you can't imagine account. I mean, I guess you can imagine a counterfactual universe, but like, how would we know how things would have Well, it's very, out? I, yeah. lo- I love like the butterfly effect of life and like, yeah. well, I, like, like for me, you know, I didn't start stand up till I was almost 27. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm an old fuck. We had, we had Ta- Tasha Rain on the podcast last yeah. month or, or last week who said she started uh, doing adult films when she was 21, which was mm. ancient for an adult film star. Sure. You know, if you don't start at 18, you don't have any success. And okay. it's, you, pa- you factor in all these like, well, when did I start? Stand up so hard to quantify that yeah. those 10,000 minutes or whatever, those tipping point hours, mi- hours whatever, right, right. 10,000 <laughs> seconds. I could use <laughs> yeah. 10,000 hours is too long. I did eight minutes today. Okay. I can't, uh, you, it's, you start to like, it's hard. It's hard with comedy to be like, you know, how, like, you know, for every, for every, sp- you know, uh, experience I had in college, every little thing it, it leads up to who you are on stage, yeah. every story right. in every, every little bit. But it's not like other career paths where, you know, you study first, you know, like if you want to be a doctor, it's so easy to know. And that's, it's not easy to be a doctor, but it's easy to know exactly what you need to do to get that, you know, mm-hmm. degree with stand up. It's guess, a different yeah. Com- yeah. combination of skills. Yeah. I mean, I hesitate to make too many claims about careers that I haven't had just because, you know, I think it's, I, I mean, we don't really know, right? Yes, like, I make all yeah. the claims. Okay? <laughs> I make all the claims. Yeah. But so I appreciate I'm that you've done What were that. you saying last? <laughs> he said something last week, like he put a, put him in a room and like put you'd have a room the room same success rate. No. I'll yeah. figure it out so, with Google. I'll figure it out what no, your no. issue yeah. is. I'm Interesting. not. Yeah, I don't. Well, unless I mean, you're a specialist. you seem to be like handy and stuff. Like I don't know. Well, you were showing around the house, like things that you've built. Like, so I think that maybe that is true that you would be able to figure stuff like that out. I don't have that kind of confidence or necessarily even like curiosity slash personality trait. Like I, I believe in myself and if I really want something that I'll be able to, you know, chip away and make it happen. Um, but I don't have that kind of like cavalier confidence of like, Oh, I could figure it out. But you have, you've like done things and I, I, I think the handiness is... Well, I, just, I just go on YouTube and figure sure. it out. But you're, a, right. you're, a, you're an Ivy League uh, graduate sure. law, law professor. Here. But I think in some ways... <laughs> don't, compare, don't compare my barn door I built, no, but... which Tasha will tell you is not level, but don't worry about her. Well, but I think... I, I don't know that... I mean, I understand the joke, but I also think that there is there is something to it because I think that like, whereas sure, it's impressive to go to like some schools and to get some degrees and to 
to have some jobs. And like, I get that because I was chasing prestige for a lot of my life. But I think there's also the opposite point, which is that like the more able one is, and I can say this at least in my case, to get into some of those schools. And I don't think this works 100% of the time, but it's like, I've read this before also that like, it's not like, yes, there's a certain smartness, I guess, but there's also a certain conformity and rule followingness that like attends success in those kinds of ways. And so like the kind of careful attitude, you know, yeah, I think not that rule comes breaker with yeah, and mover exactly and shaker right. kind of people. Right. Now, something like, I've been looking into is the, you know, fixed mindset where if you're a perfectionist, if you can't do something perfectly, you don't want to try new things. Sure. And I think that's like with Tasha, like, you know, graduated super high, you know, GPA and all those things, wor- worrying to be silly, you know, like worrying to like with comics, we kind of beat the shame out of us where it's like, we'll try new things mm-hmm. here and there. But yeah, you, 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 when you start to surround yourself with everyone who's like hyper focused on success yeah. and this and that, you're almost afraid to do something stupid. Yeah. But well, I think yeah. all we right. can do is stupid things sure. in order, you know, do you don't something. Get, give yourself the opportunity to get outside your comfort zone, yeah. which is like where you do all your growing and well, what, learning. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. One of my, I mean, this is one of my first memories and it's the first memory I have on stage. I think it speaks to this perfectionism, which is, so I was four years old. I was in a ballet class and I was in there for one reason and one reason only, which was that there was Haagen-Dazs ice cream after ballet every (laughs) single week. I'm in there with you. (laughs) It was like in the same building in New Jersey where I took ballet lessons and I wasn't aware that there was going to be a recital. And I wasn't like super paying attention in ballet class. I never felt like skilled in ballet class. I just showed up because it was the thing that my mom carpooled me to, you know, and then the ice cream that I mentioned before. And so anyway, so it's the day of the recital and I I was so nervous because I'm like, I don't like, what have we learned? So as to like put on a performance, my grandparents are coming. They survived the Holocaust for this. Like (laughs) this is going to be so bad. And all I had to do was hold the hand of the, the little girl in my class to my right and to my left. And there were going to be two circles of little four year old girls walking in a circle on a stage. And that was what we were doing for like our part of this performance. And I was so nervous because I was just like, that's not a show like that. That's not a good show. Why would anyone come to see that? And so rather than do the less perfect version, which was just walk, I decided to stand in the middle of the stage in between both circles of little girls and cry my eyes out. (laughs) And... You know, I, I've told that story before, you know, in stand up and storytelling settings. And at first when I told it, that was sort of the end of it. But then when I started telling it and like, you know, the thing that happens when maybe you like remember it or you remember it differently because you're telling it or whatever. But I seem to remember that when I noticed that I was crying as much as I was, I remember liking it. And I remember thinking like, oh my God. I'm the show right now. (laughs) Like, this is like my moment. And I remember making the conscious choice to cry harder. And so it's like that. I think that that speaks to the perfectionism that you're talking about of just like, like I recently was reminiscing with my parents about that specific story thinking I'm, I'll be 40 this summer. So that means that this story happened about 36 years ago. Okay. And I told my parents, I was just like, remember that day? And they were like, 
let's talk about something else. That was a really sad <laughs> day. And I thought that was so strange because I'm like, really? Like 36 whole years later, you weren't the person on stage? Like, <laughs> what's the big deal? Yeah. Um, but I think that like, I mean, my parents, I love my parents, truly. And they really are good parents. But like there is this perfectionism that I think that they have that I don't think is a fault of theirs. I think it was no. just like inherited from their Absolutely. parents or, or whatever it was. The thing. inability yeah. to like, right. I'll never see my mom sort of laugh at herself. Like, yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. She'll belly laugh once in a while. It's yeah. stupid, but like really just enjoy the moment. There's yeah. always a kind of that feeling, even if no one's watching that, like she's got of her yeah. back in the day of her parents yeah. you know, watching her. And it's like, yeah, you just feel bad for them. Like, but I think it. that, right. I, I share that also with my parents. And I think that like, you know, I think my parents, both would have been great performers. They both had like little bits of performing. I think like later it turned out I would learn that my dad was like in some movie in Israel, which I didn't know until like much later in life. And my mom was, a. I mean, she, she still does it, but like, you know, it's always been at like a level of like the temple or the school or something like that. Like she sings and she was a music teacher. Now she's a retired teacher. Like, so I think that they have these performance parts of their personalities but they didn't like really do it in the same way that we do and so i think that some of what happens at least it it has for me is through continuing to go back on stage some of the perfectionism if not much of it goes away and i'll i'll feel it every now and then when there's something super high stakes you know like before today's show just kidding (laughs) (laughs) hey i don't know that was a pretty big one caa was in the room right (laughs) right no but i mean and the thing is like one of the things i'm working on now or i don't even know how like one works on this other than to just be aware of it and kind of do it but like I've noticed that like I'll be much more comfortable and then therefore um better you know in these like very low stakes environments and then when it's like a higher stakes environment like sometimes it'll go really well and that's great but then sometimes I'm like oh my god I've t- I felt like I took like 80 steps back in my performance because you let your yeah. own anxiety yeah. or perfectionism or whatever it is right. sabotage you right. like you don't realize that it's yeah. happening until it's yeah. done and too late when, yeah. like, when what you really want is that detachment that yeah. just like I'm a fucking just well, do and it. Also, I've already done all the hard that work that sweet spot I think it is between caring and not caring at all right because it's like it, it, you're right it's it's like I don't think of it as a detachment I think there is a slight nuanced like little friendly one amendment. thread yeah <laughs> where it's not a detachment it's almost an unattachment whether or not that's a word i don't care but i, I mean love it this. i'm with you i mean it to distinguish because like i i've read a lot of like attachment theory i don't know if you you guys i mean there's a r- wonderful book called attached which is a relationship book but then there's also um the untethered soul which is a really great book we have attached yeah. we haven't read it it's oh, on the bookshelf it's, it's so not, good we buy the we buy it's the really books good. and then we don't read it okay yeah yeah <laughs> but no, we're listening you both of those are great the both those are great books. Um, but there's like, you know, kind of a, a I mean, Oprah and Deepak like talk about this yeah. stuff of like, you know, like wanting to have an, a less attached like outlook on the stuff that you do where the thing that you're focusing on is, you know, getting up on stage X number of times a week in our case, excuse me, and um, 
you know, listening back to your sets and writing down the things that worked and wanting to like work on certain stories and make set lists or, you know, whatever, where the, the attention goes towards the building of the stuff that you want to express creatively, as opposed to the attention going to like, I want to get on the tonight show or, you know, I want this trophy basically. And sometimes that stuff is hard for me, but I think that my, my prior career has been the biggest teacher for me of the distinction between those types of methods, I guess, or like approaches, because in my first career teaching, I had, I mean, first of all, getting the job, but second of all, like we would have to write these law review articles. That's like the currency of a law professor. And, you know, you send them out and different journals or different levels of prestige. And it's, it's not so dissimilar from like, this show is better than that show is harder to get onto. And you got to know someone to get this agent. And, you know, it's all the same stuff, but like, Ultimately, the people who I perceive to be the happiest and the most successful and sort of the Venn diagram converged on the both for these people were those who, sure, they had those things. They had the equivalent of the good agent and all of the, you know, the the wins and the trophies, but they seemed to be really loving what they were doing. And that was where I disconnected from the profession because I was like, I had some of the trophies, but because I had them, I was more aware of the emptiness that went along with getting them. I was like, yeah, I, I get that my article appeared in this prestigious journal, but that's because I figured out the system of getting an article into a prestigious yeah. journal. And I don't mean that to undercut my performance to some, you know, kind of unrelatable self-deprecating way. I really don't mean that. I'm not saying they were bad articles. I'm saying my heart wasn't in it. Sure. And so when I think about like my stand-up and my writing and my acting these days, I really think of it as like, yeah, it would be great to get all the trophies, but like I would rather like have a slower success route than one that was so fast that I was left with these existential crises after the moments of getting the thing. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the, um, the pilot to I'm dying up here. Did you watch that ever? Yeah, okay. I, yeah. yeah. But like that pilot, right. Which it's okay to spoil a pilot for a show that's no longer on the air. <laughs> I, was, I, hope. I was so mad. I got canceled. I actually sure. liked the show. It's a great show, but good, good um, book too. But oh, very I, unrealistic, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. I mean, in terms of the comedy scene, well, uh, didn't you say that he goes yeah. from like, Open mic no, no, to like no 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 famous? that's that's crashing Cra oh, okay. crashing oh. he's like friends are already lying in three episodes <laughs> like, right that's bullshit but yeah. I, but yeah I'm dying of beer is the the comedy yeah. scene in like the seventies but yeah, yeah it's, I don't know the extent to which it is or isn't unrealistic to the answer book, the, the question book was about super that. factual right. but the, the the show yeah. had a lot of um you know they had to make it fake well fictional. I think I mean I think like just to go back I mean we can come kind of straddle both shows like with respect to crashing yeah I think that there's something. I mean, I have a lot of things to say about crashing, I guess, but, um, but I think like in terms of the unrealism of crashing, I almost think that that show wants you to assume that certain leaps have been taken in terms of time that the show just doesn't tell you, particularly because they don't want everyone to be bored to death while <laughs> yeah. eight years pass by. Yeah, the first ten <laughs> seasons, yeah. he's you know hating himself. I totally yeah. get. I yeah. totally get the sort of uh, artistic license to like speed shit. But up. I didn't. I didn't think that the friendship element with famous comedians was that um, unrealistic because I think that like I've 
seen that happen to people where it's like, okay, this is like somebody who you know from your scene and then all of a sudden they've got like some famous friend and they're going on the road with the famous friend and stuff like that. So yeah, y- I, I've, I've like experienced examples of that being true. I'm a little bitter towards that because okay. I do want to be friends with those guys <laughs> and I do want those mentors. Well, then you got to unattach. That's how you get them. Boom. You should read the book. That's I, how you, you got to get your vibration, Dave, to a point that it matches, uh, that it matches the people and the things that you want. In I your just life. see my, the codependent inside of me sees yeah. these guys. Mm-hmm. So like, say, say Bert Kreischer, right? He does a stand up show. Uh, I bet you 90% of the, our audience doesn't even know who I'm talking about, even though he's selling out theaters and arenas. Sure. sure. The Everyone world. knows who Bert no, Kreischer is. No, no. I mean, no, they don't. They don't really. I mean, I don't know. Like the people don't know who Bill Burr is. It's fucking insane right. to me. <laughs> but like, I said, like use Bill Burr because yeah. like, he should know him if you don't google him i just he's but my, I'm, I'm i'm like sensitive to that kind of stuff because nine times out of ten the person who everyone's like like you know those polls where it's like people more likely know like the winner of american idol than they do some supreme court justice i'm like what about the part the people who know neither of yeah. the the you know the right. the people who you're asking so like a lot of times that's or like me, the but, people who <laughs> know enough to not pick up the phone to answer your poll yeah <laughs> like, well, that's but anyway like so like not to yeah. name drop but like i was at a show and it was a it was a black night it was an urban show there's no yeah. there's no white guys there and i was there and judd apatow walks in and uh-huh. you know like if you don't know him he's just made every sure. comedy in the last 15 years including right? crashing yeah so, there you go yeah, boom right and 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 i said hey what's going on i started chatting with you know i i knew i could chat with him because there was no other like if you're going to be in an elevator or ah. like a small room with one of these guys you're going to treat them as your peers if i saw bill okay. burr i'd be like oh i'm doing this fucking mic he'd be like oh shit no way like yeah. oh you can hang in okay you know you, there's totally like that pure aspect to it so but what we, happened well Oh, we chatted for a while oh, and he was okay. a nice guy. I told him I was sure. open for a dude he used to work with and this okay. and that was totally cool. Yeah. Totally cool. No, but I always wasn't going to ask him for anything. But it was a well, nice, yeah, of course. it was a nice, like, I'm not talking like 10 or 15 minute long conversation. Like, yeah. you know, his people were like, oh, should we go? It was like the night of the Emmys. He had a tuxedo on. Like, he had come to do a set. He was a nice guy. Yeah. And I, and I think most conversations with other comedians would go that way. But we live in a town where, ev- like, if I'm, if I'm hanging out, there's going to be 15 other comics mm-hmm. looking at Bill Burr in the off chance that Bill Burr looks back at them and then they're going to go talk to him it's like yeah. hyper everybody so it's like in in, pl- in not wanting to be that guy i play it so cool where it's like bro it's like almost like dating if that chick's not going to come up to me i'm not going to harass her But i think that's similar to dating and again i'm not an expert but from my experience like i was single for many years i was single and talking about it for many years but it took like truly being okay with myself in order to then, you know, whether it's vibrationally match or however you want to frame it, like somebody who would be a good partner for me. And it was, it was that moment of like not caring. And again, I think it's not a detached because it's not like an detached makes me think like aloof and kind of like I'm too good for something. Whereas sure. unattached or whatever, you know, whatever the appropriately conjugated word to mean that would be is like, yeah, it's really important to me. And so I'm going to, with humility, put my head down and do my own work. And in the relationship context, it's like work on myself, you know, so that I'm happy on my own and, and so that I'm like able to like make room for another person in my life mm-hmm. who I'm not like 
like clawing at in order yeah. to be happy. But you want to be mm-hmm. able to add value to like you want if yeah. Bill Burr, you want him to walk by and hear you crushing on stage. So you be like, sure. hey, how are you? But I think that comes from many years of getting up and knowing that you can crush and almost like forgetting that Bill Burr is watching. Exactly. You know, and and that's like, I mean, I'm, or not mm-hmm. needing Bill Burr's appro- approval. Right. Whereas, you know, like yeah. yeah, it'd be nice yeah. to have it, but I don't need that because I've yeah. got my own. I think that's correct and i've had like moments in my own career where it's like oh i guess like if i look back on it then it's like that person saw me and you know that ended up being a really big deal for me because if i if i look back at my calendars like this date happened from that and this one and that one and then i got to open for them and you know whatever but it's like it was from a moment when i really was not caring about that. And I've had many other moments where I'm like, please like me, please like me. And it doesn't <laughs> and go And it completely well. bombs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's such and a And they weird... never call you back. Right. <laughs> it's so strange because it's like, you do want to be liked by everyone, but also yeah. like a don't give a fuck mentality. Like, I do want to be liked by everyone, but I'd rather be me yeah. than, than to conform. Like, like if someone says, if you do this joke, they'll yeah. like you. Right. Go fuck yourself. Well, it's all an energy thing. I remember when I first got on stage, um, literally, I mean, not like when I was four and crying with the ballet, <laughs> but, but when I first did stand up i was i was on a bill with other people who were improv teams and so the person who was producing the show was like hey liz what's the name of your show and because it was an improv bill and so all improv shows have a name and so i thought about it and rather just be rather than just saying like my name's liz glazer i'm just liz glazer which is probably what i would say now because like we do stand up and that's how it goes but i was like okay i'll think of a name and so the name that i thought up was everybody loves me and the reason was that at the time I like figured out and it's something that I, I like to come back to because I, I can often forget it. It's like one of those for me anyway, like very valuable truths. That's also really slippery, you know, that when I'm, when I'm with it, I'm like in, but then it can go away as fast as I thought of it in the first place. And so the thing with everybody loves me was that I identified that the, the way that I am on stage, that is the most successful, attractive, whatever adjective you want to insert, um, was when I assumed that everyone in the crowd was my fan mm-hmm. already, like liked me, loved me, whatever. Once you said succeed. Yeah, exactly right. That, like exactly. acting teachers will yeah. tell you about in yeah, the audition casting, room. Right. We like, want casting, you to do well. Right. Yeah, casting right. loves you. They called you in. Yeah. They want you to succeed. Right. They're exactly. on your side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like where, where I can actually believe that because um, what I learned uh, or deduced for myself was that if I assume that everybody loves me, um, despite the fact that that could sound like conceited or narcissistic, I think it's actually the opposite. But if I assume that everybody loves me, then I take the work away from myself to make them love me because why would I have to do anything to make people love me who already love me? Right. And so again, it's something that like when I'm able to hook into it, it's magical, which was the reason that I entitled the show that. Yeah. Tasha, this and is that's groundbreaking. just good for like everyday life. Because yeah. if you think about it, like in my world, yeah. modeling, right. like, you know, there's always a lot going on mm-hmm. that 
most of the time has nothing to do with me. Of course. But if yeah. I'm in a bad mood, if I'm having a bad day sure. and like who knows whatever's off for whatever reason, I don't know. But like yeah. on good days when like you hear a whisper, you don't think it's about you. You're just going with the flow and you're like, right. you know, it doesn't even phase so you. True. Yeah. But on a day when like you're in a funky mood mm-hmm. and you like overhear a whisper or you see someone have an eye roll or whatever, you're like, yeah. oh my God, what did I do? Yeah. I did something wrong. They're That's not so happy. True. They're not happy with how this is going. Right. Right. And like you attribute all of this negativity to you when so it is exactly like you said you said it not narcissistic at all like if you can yeah it's exactly because you stop caring so much about yourself and assuming that everything fine yeah Uh, it's almost it's a beautiful mantra assuming people love me yeah everybody loves me everybody loves me that'll definitely be the name of this podcast oh yeah everybody loves me with liz yeah that's amazing and you know the longer you do stand up yeah the more you start performing for people that actually do love you i'm not saying that they don't in the first place but like it almost becomes easier in the sense that i think that's true it's an audience of people that already get you like right. the Jim Norton's of the world are yeah. vile creatures on stage yeah. but once they find their crazy right. knuckleheads that love them it's just right. amplified yeah well I mean Mike Birbiglia I heard him recently I don't remember if it was like a podcast or an interview it doesn't matter but like he was talking about how you know it's really fun to get to a point in your career where it almost feels like you're all just telling like one private joke you know like that or, or not you're all but like that he's sharing something and there's this shared identification because everybody there has like seen all the previous, you know, things that he's done or if they haven't, then they get that everybody else has or the person who brought them has. And, and yeah, there is this kind of, everybody loves me mentality. You got to do this show that I want to, I want to okay. do it. I'm, I'm okay. Pitching it to the audience. Sure. Nobody steal this. Okay. Our listeners, but I have this, like, this is not happening style standup show uh-huh. where you take a truck, you drive out to the desert, uh-huh. you got a keg, tailgate down and 10 people and you stand around the keg and one person tells a story uh-huh. in front of everyone else uh-huh. and then the person who's on deck for the story for the next story he's the one who pumps the keg okay. and during your story you just fill other people's beers up oh. so you get to tell your story in front of your friends but in a way that's not superly but it's produced in like a three camera way and like yeah. proper audio yeah. and then the, when your story's up everyone like whatever you know you get heckled but not in a way that's like it, it's amongst comics so if like yeah. someone it is like in. very traditional storytelling if yeah. you think about like around the campfire. Right. Exactly. It's, like, it's like that's what it is. It's campfire, it but it's like in this case it's just you're pumping the keg and you're like, ah yeah. and then and then you do your bit, you do your four, seven, eight, ten, whatever how yeah. long it is, and yeah. then it's like and then and that's it. And the comics know when you dismount and that's it, and that's a cut, and then it goes mm-hmm. to the next one, and then everyone, you know, yeah. it's only like eight or ten people, but everyone gets there. I'd love bit. to be a Wouldn't part that be of fun it. to do? Yeah. We I gotta yeah. we gotta make that happen. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a nice camping anyway, trip. Someone's right around the corner. You're on the bill. We'll make it Happen. Thank but, you, Dave. But thank you, Wolf. Thank you for being on my future show. <laughs> it's on the Patreon, everybody. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, you know. And again, I'm 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 well aware that I'm full of limitations. I try to yeah. stop myself. I used to be super self actualizing, and like uh-huh. when I got into acting and this, I'm like, I'm, I can figure it out. And I would always book yeah. all these random things, and then stand up, kind of beat my dick in. Yeah. And I'm trying to get back to that place where it's like, why wouldn't? A headliner want to yeah. have me on the road with him. Sure. Why wouldn't so and so want to be my friend? I've got, but right. like, unfortunately, you know, you go, you sign up for these mics or shows, and you don't get the love that you want because it's just a room full of your peers trying mm-hmm. to in their own heads. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I've found I, I can totally understand that what you just said that is very relatable to me. And then there are some moments when it just hits, and it could be 
at a mic, you know, I've, I've had stuff pop from really like small things like, oh, I did a mic and I got a, in off the lottery and I didn't think I even did that well, but this led to this led to a big thing for sure, you know? And so, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've found that like the win for me is leaving the house, you know, the win for me, like there was a soul cycle instructor who, uh, I really love and her name's Stevie. She teaches in New York. I'm sure it doesn't matter for the listeners, but like if you're ever in New York, <laughs> you can take soul cycle with Stevie. She's great. Um, but she said a thing once in class, she was like, you can change your life, but you have to leave your apartment. And I thought that that was such a wonderfully simple mantra because like sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Like this week, which I was talking on stage a little bit about, you know, it was really hard for me. I, I had like the biggest thing ever in my stand up career happen. I got to like feature away, you know, for five nights and get paid and like get a food stipend every day in a hotel. And like it was, you know, like, okay, cool. But it like didn't go amazing. And then I came back and I felt like kind of down about it. And people were like, yeah, maybe you were just too smart for that room. And I'm like, well, I think if I was actually too smart, I would have figured out how to make it work. But fine. <laughs> well, maybe you should go perform for lawyers. And so then I performed for some lawyers and it didn't go that well either. And I get off stage from the lawyers and someone in the crowd is like, Hey, did you ever think about doing the moth? And then the next night I went and did the moth and I scored second to last at the moth second to last only because the last in the last place guy did not know how to operate a microphone. So like it was, it was like a mean score second to last. They rate, they rate your set. The moth, the moth has, um, judging, right? What? You need to go see one of these moth shows. I love the moth. Yeah. I judge your stories. That's the whole thing. That sounds crazy. But it's, it, I mean, it's, it's just it storytelling. It yeah. really, and like what they put, so they do these small shows around town, right? Yeah. That are like levels show. And like, if you yeah. win one, then you can go to the next right. level. And then they do like a big show here right. in LA and it's really cool. And then like all the best stories they put on the radio. Yeah. It's on, what's the station again? NPR. This uh, is why I knew 89.9 oh, local here. Know. Yeah, that's right. I think it's 89.9 in LA. Not that yeah. that matters, but yeah, yeah, NPR. And so I guess they do moth stories all over. Yeah, the they do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I knew you guys would like each other because Todd's yeah. big, big in the moth. And you got, you got yeah. that, Liz has the NPR voice. Already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then yeah. I was at Lake Tahoe. Right. And- but, but that's the, like, like the NPR voice. Like people saying like, oh, you would be great. Like this week was yeah. like, you should do this. And then the next day I go out and do it and like fail. And so that's all fine. You know, like I recognize that like I am on a journey and it's life just is one trial week. and yeah, error. like it's fine. Yeah. But it was like it was um it was a trying week in that way. What is the takeaway from that? Like I what mean, is the takeaway from having yeah. what you perceive to be the yeah. answers to your problems, then you get them and it's not quite Oh, I mean I think it's uh I, I think it's a little bit in process and remains to be seen. You know, I also think that there was a level of like um, like not to say, oh, I would have done better if, but I think that like, if, if it didn't start from a place of feeling like low, then probably the lawyer, the lawyer show would have gone better. Probably the moth would have gone better. I think I it's was almost like, like, you're putting pressure on yeah, yourself exactly. because of it. You're like, 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 I have to make right, up for this right, thing. But right. who showed up? Mimosa show. Huh? We were, we were fire <laughs> audience. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Fuck the moth. Well, that's, that's very true. <laughs> but I think it's also like, like the point I meant to, to bring from it, I guess maybe this being the takeaway is like, I don't really take it as a success or a failure about like how the stuff went. It's just like, instead of feeling 
low about it and staying inside about it, I did the next thing within a day of each of the things. And you, know? you didn't get like your reward yeah, for it. Like right, a lot of times, right. when you do the work, you expect to get a reward. I and mean, when you don't get a reward, yeah. you're like, what the hell? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I do have, I think, a lot of patience around this stuff. I think like... I don't know. Um, I do think it comes from, from, I, gosh, I don't really know where it comes from, but I think it has something to do with this being a thing I did later in life, you know? Um, and I, I, but I guess like it's hard to know exactly if that's right too, because I'll, I'll like talk to people who are my age or even younger who are just like, yeah, but like, you know, you're irrelevant in Hollywood if you're not this age. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm fine. Like, I don't think, I mean, I guess that also comes from like, I just don't perceive that whatever this is, whatever my brand, like, I don't know any of that stuff, but like, I have confidence that if it's going to hit, it's not because I'm like young and pretty in it. For sure. You know what I mean? So I don't have, I just, I'm like, what? Like I'll keep working and it'll be fine. And I guess like, having a week where all of this stuff kind of tr is tried and failed is just the story of it. It's just part of how but it all, all happened. Yeah. I mean, like say you take those, you know, your, your, your tightest five minutes in the world sure. and you do America's got talent and you yeah. find this crazy audience that loves you. Next thing you know, all this hard work smashes with audiences. I mean, it's amazing how sort of, um, people need to be convinced as to why they're going to like something that's on stage. They need yeah. like, if, it, like if, if, if you're an audience member and you go, Oh my gosh, I am in love with this musician. Mm -hmm. This is going to be amazing. You're bringing that, that optimism to the stage yeah. along with the whole audience. And that's just the battle comics face is that even though we do want to imagine the whole audience loves us, wait till they actually do wait till they actually are living on every one of your breaths. And that you take that moment of silence and you can, you know, hear a pin drop and then you hit them with the punch sign and they go, ah! I guess, like it yeah. comes and goes, but yeah. it's like, it, it will come to in a point where yeah. like, it's you part know. of like fake it till you make it. Like yeah. it's part of that attitude. Like yeah. if, if you can't, if you don't have them all loving you yet, like right. just imagine that they well, all love you. Well, it's also like the Lady Gaga quote of like, I've always been a celebrity. It's just that people didn't know it until they did. Yeah. Um, I love that. You know, like I love that idea. And it's relatable to me anyway, because I think that at the same time as, as in, you know, moments that stuff doesn't hit, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe this is never going to work. Like I certainly have those moments, but then I'm also like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm like a pretty big deal. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it's important to like, know. okay. Like, like this year, I don't think I've done a show this year where yeah. I had like the sweet spot of yeah. a packed room. Yeah. I don't think I've done one in a couple of years where I've really, and I'm like, I'm fine with it. I'll go up yeah. early. I'll host. I'll go up when no one's left in the room. Yeah. I fucking headlined that Santa Barbara show. 15 comics in, everyone's yeah. gone. They're exhausted. Right. They're, they're mopping up in the back and I'm like just picking at whatever yeah. meat is left on the bone. I'm like, okay, fine. Because all the, the, the synapses, all the beats, all the tags, everything I want, mm -hmm. I'm still working on. And yeah. when the audience is there, this is all going to be great. It's all, like all the training is done at that point. And yeah. like, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, I think for me also, it's a matter of like getting to a point where I'm expressing what I want to express. And so I've had sets, um, like there was one night in Tahoe actually that like went 
pretty well. Like, you know, people were like, oh yeah, that was great. And I, I was the one who was dissatisfied with it because I was like, I don't think I really said what I wanted to say. And, you know, I was having this realization after the trip because during the trip, some, some like younger comic, um, messaged me on Facebook. Cause I guess we had done a show a few years ago and he was like, I just wondered if I could like ask you a few questions about stand up." And I was like, sure. So we were on the phone. I was like getting my steps in outside, whatever. And I ended up like telling a story to him in the hopes of like inspiring him in some way. But it was like, you know, this true story of how things of, of how like a certain set of circumstances came to be. And I, I realized after the weekend, I was like, I'm pretty sure that the most satisfying performance I had all weekend was telling him on the phone that story. And I think it's not about, at least for me, like, yeah, adoring fans, that's great, I guess. Like, money is great. But it's like, I want to get there by way of actually communicating what I want to say. Like, if I got there, if someone was like, here, read these jokes, they're they're going to kill. Yeah. You'll be great. That's I not mean, as fulfilling. It's not. I would still do you. it if someone's like, we'll put you on TV. We'll make you, we'll give I've you money. I've been offered but... that. I've been offered other people's jokes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Them. Like, yeah. just do these jokes. They work. And I yeah. Go, Sorry. That's just Oh, interesting. I, I would still do it. I mean, it, I still think it's acting, you know, like. Yeah. Um, it's just not fulfilling. Yeah. It's yeah. just a, a different it's, it's thing. It's a job. Right. It's just. But getting, you're right. Like yeah. sometimes someone heckles and you have a zinger and it gets a crazy pop by the audience. And it's like, well, but that's not the bit that I wanted you to laugh at. It sounds yeah. kind of like petty. If, if you're listening, and you don't understand what we're talking about, but it's like, no, you just want, you just want the respect for what you've been working on. And I guess so. I mean, I don't, I don't happen to not mind hecklers that much. I ran a show in New York for a year called say everything, which was inviting hecklers to say whatever they wanted. And I think it was like really great training ground. I ended up getting representation in LA on the basis of how I handled a heckler. Oh, no so way. like I have a lot of love for hecklers because it's like been a big part of my career. Um, but I get what you're saying in so far as it's like, you know, but I just mean like, I like telling a single narrative when I get on stage. That is my preferred mode. Um, it's not as fulfilling to me to, to be like, here's my set list. Here are the jokes like that. I like less to me. It's more fun. Um, like I have a joke that I really like, which is that if you want me to see an email, find a way to put it in my sent mailbox because that's the only one that I check reliably. I think it's a good joke <laughs> and it's like connectable to me because of like the narcissism of, you know, going back and rereading an email and being like, wasn't I amazing at sending this email? Like, aren't I the best emailer? And that's like, you know, it's like I don't have to do anything all day because I can just reread this over and over and over again. And I've done that. But it's more satisfying for me when that joke comes in a particular story after I have told the audience and communicated the beat of the story in which I sent an email to a person, right? It's just for me, that's like more the way that I talk because I don't like there are comedians who are just like, hey, here's a joke. There's a joke. Here's a bit. And I, I, I think that's great. It's just like never been me. Like I yeah. didn't do stand up knowing anything about stand up. I did stand up because I had a crush on an improv instructor and I <laughs> invited her to coffee and because I was very caffeinated at the meeting for coffee she interpreted that as stage presence offered me 10 minutes on her show and then I was like what are you even doing and she's like do you want to do it and I was like will you be there and she was like yeah <laughs> so that's why I did it like it's just like you know I think if, if somebody's coming at stand up because they're like I love jokes I've been telling jokes I've been writing jokes my whole life that's amazing it's just not me yeah you know I, I hear you it's a 
I mean, a lot of a lot of art is someone who just wants attention and validation, but not not it doesn't have to be in a needy way. It's just like, look, I want I want some fucking respect around here, so I'm going to tell you how I feel about X, Y, and Z. I guess so. And like, yeah. you might have been brought into it in a, in an unconventional way, but like, yeah. clearly. She saw something in you. Clearly, a lot of been, Adderall. It's stuck. Yeah. What she saw. Now, how yeah. do you even? So, how? Because a lot, a lot of people that listen, everyone's got hobbies, right? Uh-huh. Now, stand up's not a hobby. This yeah. is you, you, yeah. something you do. Yeah. But how does someone go from teaching law? Oh, that's such an to, well, fun to a hobby to a, yeah. a new profession. Yeah, I mean. Well, okay. So one thing I have like a a kind of, I mean, I guess it's a bit, but it's more of just like bits for me are like running background thoughts that I keep kind of coming back to. Um, And so that's what I mean when I say that, but about like how fun and work are opposites from each other. And now the thing that I used to do for fun is the thing that I do for work. So what do I do for fun? And then I was in an acting class and like there was this like judgment based on a performance and there was a rubric that the teacher used to judge a performance. And one of the rows in the rubric was about how much fun the performer was having. And there was a spectrum that went from like zero to 10 or A to F or whatever, F to A. And I got closer to the F and the zero part and specifically... Fun. on fun and and the thing that was circled was that the my fun needs work which i thought was so funny because i was like what how do you work on fun that's like counter you know it's an oxymoron whatever um but uh so that's that's a like a thing that i think about all the time is like how do you work on your fun um but i mean so okay so i I hear that in the question is like how do you i mean on the one hand the question surface level can be like how does a thing that became a hobby become a thing that you do professionally and i think for me it was hooking into the feeling that i had the moment that i left the stage which for the first time and this was like wholly delusional but i had i had this vision okay like this was like right after I got off stage and I had a vision of me being on the tonight show and as a guest, okay, not doing stand up, but just like on the couch. And Jimmy Fallon asks me, he was like, Liz, like, I don't get it. Like you've been a law professor for a decade and now you're doing stand up. And it should, it should be noted that I was in my seventh year teaching. Okay. At the time. But what I said in the vision in the daydream um, was in response to Jimmy Fallon's question, I said, actually, Jimmy, it was nine years. Okay. So he says a decade and I say, actually, Jimmy, it was nine years. And I was like, huh, I'm pretty sure that's funny. That's a funny thing, especially from like a former lawyer and law professor to correct by rounding down from 10 to nine, because who doesn't round up from nine to 10, but I would never want the credit for the year that I didn't teach. But all of this happened, (laughs) I want to reiterate, in my seventh year of teaching. Okay, so that happens. That's like March 5th is the first day of 2013 that I ever did stand up. I had the vision like March 5th when I went home or March March 6th. Okay. So then I'm teaching, you know, doing mics and stuff because I had started doing stand up. But about like 11 months later, February 10th of 2014, I get a phone call from the dean of my school and he's offering all tenured faculty members, which I was one of, 
buyout packages because like the school was in a budget moment. I believe they're fine now, but like this was the decision of the dean at the time. And so when when a call like that comes in, you have to take down all of the information like on your own piece of paper because they don't want a memo being circulated sure. so that like you know legal tabloid websites because there are such things will like <laughs> publicize them and think like oh this school's going down or whatever so anyway so i'm like taking down um you know all of the things that he's saying and he's like you know so the options would be that you could do a half time or a quarter time you get this amount of money and and then the last two options were one he was like or you could quit at the end of this year and then the final final one was or you could quit at the end of next year and i said back to him i was like I choose the last one. And he was really confused. And he was like, Liz, like you don't, you get that this isn't like a multiple choice thing where you have to pick one of the options or else you don't get credit. Like I literally am just legally obligated to tell you this news, but like between you and me, you know, this is not like, this is for old people basically. Yeah. <laughs> like we just can't say that or else we'll get sued. Um, he didn't say those words exactly. To get, but, to get them out. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's like a move Here, for retire, that purpose. Yeah. Right. Because you can't, and you're you the can't. young buck. Yeah. Like, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but for me, it was such a clear moment. And I ended up telling him the exact story that I just told you because it was nine years because that was my eighth year that I was hearing the news. I had had the vision in my seventh year and then that was going to be nine years. It gave you time to plan your departure. Well, and and specifically that I believed in the crazy vision. Because I don't think if I had, because it all, it all came from this joke about rounding down from 10 to nine. Yeah. Right. And so, yes, you're right. It did give me the time specifically, but also it was like, it's nine years. Right, you I got just got it. goosebumps. Got oh, goosebumps. Cool. Isn't that? Thanks. Oh, I love. You need a you need a comedy album called Ten to Nine. <laughs> you know, you were like, you know, actually, Jimmy, it was nine years. Yeah, but like, it, I really do believe that people are capable of like tapping yeah. in yeah. to like a bigger picture yeah. universe I do or too. whatever. Right, and like that sort of like paying attention yes. to signals. Yes. Like I do believe that it helps to put you on your right path. I think so too. And so, to give you yeah. credit, opportunity is presented but it's also taken you take the opportunity correct you're given so many opportunities people listening you get opportunities every day that you limit oh well but it's safer to take this it's safer to take a and you took d you said no i'll take it i'm out Mm -hmm. i'm good this makes sense you took that opportunity But, but you're also right that um that was February of my eighth year teaching. I made the decision to leave at the end of my ninth year teaching. So actually, I was earlier a little bit too dismissive of your point about about having the time because you're right. I also would have had from February through that spring plus a whole other academic year during which I knew that I was leaving and also I had a job, right? And I also was going to get like the buyout from that decision. And so it was also like, you're right. It is the time to like continue to get better. Um, and, and it was like, I had time during which I knew that I would be leaving a safe situation for something riskier, but I guess like, yeah, to your point, like, yeah, it's paying attention to the signals because I could have had that vision and been like, ugh, whatever, dumb. But I held on to it and I would like constantly tell myself like, don't quit for a bit, especially if you don't even know it's funny, <laughs> you know, but, and, and I wasn't going to, but it's like, you're right. When the opportunity presented itself, then I was able to see it so clearly because I had held on to the dream. Right. If you don't hold on to the dream, I think you stop seeing it. It's yeah. gone. It's gone. That's you why go, people keep yeah. dream journals so yeah. that they can write down as soon as they wake totally. up the things that happen. Yeah. I feel like 
Ah, uh, I really would love to keep a dream journal, but mm-hmm. I almost feel like it's like playing with a Ouija board. Huh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, oh, do you want all the answers? Right. Like, are you ready? Huh? Are you ready for the answers there's, to the questions? There's some. There's a class that a friend of mine uh, has taken in LA. The the teacher is this woman Kim Gilligan, and she teaches this like dream creative workshop, and it's supposed to be amazing. What? Yeah. Wait, so can I get this info. Yeah, after? yeah. When because yeah, yeah. I'm on the mailing list, I haven't. It's hard to get in. It's like seven people a month. And so you might try for a few months and not get in. But like eventually, I imagine you'll get in. Um, but anyway, I really want to take it. My friend has taken it and loves it. Uh, but it's it emanates from <clears throat> from taking down your dreams and, you know, whatever. There's a reason. I mean, like, yeah, yeah your, your subconscious is working. I mean, it's yeah. in comedy, I'm like nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop in my yeah. thinking. And Tasha sometimes like, what's wrong? I'm like, Oh, nothing's wrong. I just have a matrix going through my yeah. head. And I don't mean yeah. to give that credit to like, I've got good things going on, but it's like, sometimes you just got want to unplug and dreams yeah. will like surface things that need to be done. Things well, that need the to be addressed. science of dreams is that your brain is categorizing. Oh, interesting. Your brain is like, when you go to sleep during REM sleep, mm-hmm. your brain is actually like putting your memories into different boxes mm-hmm. and trying to connect the dots for oh, you. That's what dreaming is. Right. It's like your brain making connections that uh-huh. you that your consciousness mm-hmm. didn't yeah. have yeah, yeah. in the daytime because it's so overwhelmed with all of this stimulus. Isn't right. it crazy you how you to. just have to get out of your own way sometimes? Oh you have my to get, gosh. No, because yeah. you're... So the, the pragmatic sort of... It, it, the interesting part with lawyers is a lot of lawyers become stand-up comedians. Yeah. They're like, yeah. They're, there's Although a lot I have of, yet to meet a law professor... I've yet to meet anyone who's ever given up tenure. Yeah, that's no. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That's huge. Like I've I've gave up nothing to do stand up. <laughs> like, well, I don't like, mean that, but it's I, no. And and I don't I don't mean it in, like with bitterness or any. I'm just like no. if there was such a person, I would love to meet that person because for me, it's like yes, there's the lawyer piece of it, but there's also just like like the risk taking aspect of like no i gave up like literally a job for life steal ovaries if you don't mind yeah exactly listen if i if i had what you had yeah tasha would leave me if i said i'm gonna do the act she'd be like nay ain't it's a very we're very we're blessed that we haven't had to make those choices that you had to make i didn't have to though i chose it no but no but it's still like my point is like i i I, I graduated the business degree. I got yeah. fired quickly, and I got into yeah. acting and, and it, right. you know whatever. I, I was I luck, luckily I didn't have to choose between sure. making three hundred grand a year. But I think crunching that, numbers, right? And I think you know. But but going back to the answer to your prior question, I think this this elucidates some of it because it didn't even feel like a choice. Like the level of clarity that I had on the phone with my dean that day was so intense that I was just like, oh, of course I pick nine. And he was the one who was like, what? what? Any, <laughs> right. any second guessing? No. You, any family that was like, what the fuck? Well, like, I mean, I have the bit about like, oh, and I'm what kind of prostitute I would be because the next phone call I made was to my mother. That is real. And she was like, what are you going to do for money? And I was like, oh, I could prostitute. <laughs> and she was the one who was like, oh, I'm sure that that would be successful for you. But anyway, it's like, you know, that was a real conversation that happened. And, um, my mom is very supportive. Both of my parents are very supportive, but also like very afraid, you know, because it's just like they don't know how to 
understand like a career in this, you know, because I, I just, yeah, but um, it's good for, it's for their survival to mm-hmm. be afraid is beneficial. Like parents are afraid. They yeah. just want well, you to take wired. They, they the, just want to take care of they you. just yeah. want to know you're okay. They yeah, don't, they don't care sure. if like you're cashing a check and then, right. and then being sad because like, that's not what you wanted the check to be. You know what I mean? Right. Like they just want you to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have like, sometimes my dad, if he's like giving me a ride or something, he'll just like start, giving these lectures on like, here's how to do stand-up comedy. <laughs> and, you know, I'll just like start recording. <laughs> He's like, you need a gimmick. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thanks so, for the advice. Yeah, yeah I got right. It. <laughs> and so he's like, the way to do, you have to be for everybody, general, very general. And it's like, my dad's like, wrong <laughs> you know? but, but it's hilarious to me because like he just wants you got me dad explained yeah right like he just wants me to be okay i think that's exactly right it's coming from a very good place you know like all of these recordings happen when he's like giving me a ride somewhere like he's very what? loving and that? parental that's yes very special very very nice yes but it's like funny to me because you know my parents just come from this place my dad a little bit more than my mom my mom i think gets stuff a little bit more i mean she's a woman no offense but like you know i think that that does come from it like my dad is like this is how you do like you know he's just like this is you have to have the system and you know like that's (laughs) kind of his way i've never like done my dad so much where's he from chicago i don't recognize (laughs) (laughs) he's He's actually latvian but he sounds different from anyone i like he doesn't have like a typical russian accent like a russian accent that like i would think is like ill elizabeth like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have that he just sounds a little bit more israeli but he's not from israel where did they move to in jersey when they moved here they live like in in like near new york okay near new york city yeah does he so. speak hebrew no he oh, speaks russian yeah but he sounds Israeli. Yeah. I was yeah. wondering if he also spoke Hebrew and then that would be why he has um, a like weird no, accent. He was in Israel for six months. The rest of his family's in Israel because that was like the the way of the exodus at the time that he came to the United States, which was like forty five years ago. Um, but that it doesn't like add up that that would be why he just yeah. sounds like that. Like what I've given you is a pretty good impression. of <laughs> <laughs> Call him up. He's a pretty spot on impression. Of my dad. Yeah, it's really good. But like, but like, uh, it's not good in the sense that like, I don't know anyone who sounds like him except yeah. for him. So how cool yeah. you know, parents. The thing is, is like, you always want to like knock them. They don't know the, the new world and right. this and that. But right. I think like, ta- like with this, Tasha and I were looking at this new apartment. It was yeah. going to be a, a bunch of extra money a month. Yeah. And we were like, eh. Both of our moms kind of said the same thing. Like, get it. You'll grow into it. You'll, yeah. you'll attract all this abundance by having this extra space and yeah. all this love. And it was interesting to, to, to actually have them say that. Not you know, When my mom met my stepdad, we lived in a tiny little place and mm. we went from living in apartments all the time and then finally my stepdad was like the kind of dumb luck guy who was like, mm. no, just let's do it. Let's fi- figure it out. And then yeah. they moved into a giant place and they attracted all this abundance and the family huh. grew. And it was like, yeah. And it was like just the idea that like we don't have to, and it's good for whatever sort of uh 
things you're after, whatever yeah. whatever you're pursuing in life, the idea for like abundance and in, in growing into a bigger space. Yeah. And knowing that like if you're just going to try to grow in a tiny pot, you're just going to be a tiny like tree. Like goldfish. You know that about goldfish? That <laughs> oh, they actually get massive. Oh. If you put them like in a lake, oh, they interesting. get huge. Huh. I didn't yeah. know that. But if they stay in a bowl their whole life, they stay tiny. So how big do you want these goldfish? Patreon.com slash the sap. T-H-E-S-A-P. No, but like, and we don't know if we'll get that two bedroom, but I was like, fucking. That, I we're gonna have an imp. Well, we don't know. Like, we don't even know. The guy like didn't he like s- told me to send him his e- to send him my email. Yeah. Um, and he was gonna send over an application, and he emailed me and said, "What's your email address?" Because it was through Craigslist, so okay. you know how Craigslist like yeah. hides your email. So I wrote him back my email address, and it's been almost a week, and he hasn't sent us still, the application. They're I'm still like, doing oh, construction. To give it to and Tasha's yeah. like, "This comes with a fridge, right?" Because a lot of people don't know in LA, most places don't come with oh, fridges. Yeah, I think that's an LA weird, specific thing. It, I think it is. And the guy's yeah. like, "Yeah, no fridge," and she's like. You sure? And he's like, yeah, we'll make a fridge happen. And I was like, oh, that's better negotiating than I would have done. Like, we just got a right. fridge for nothing. But yeah, the idea, the idea of us being like, uh, you know, even even when we launched the Patreon, just to be yeah. like, all right, look, hey, we're going to start releasing more stuff for you yeah. guys. We're, we're our, our price points are a little bit higher than I would have liked. $5, $8, $12. Tasha helps to negotiate. But, uh-huh. but honestly, and like the thing is, is like people don't have to spend it, but they write in and they go, I've upgraded to the $12 price point because we believe in you and yeah. we know that this is helping you out and, and expand. Thank but yeah, I, I want that's great. yeah and no, it's, thank you guys so much for listening and, and several of the of our patrons our patrons came to the show today yeah and they're amazing you know Vic yeah, yeah. and kyle they drive in and, and they're all yeah. they're all i mean oz you know he's they're all amazing right um uh but the the idea of like pursuing mm-hmm. you know it's people move to la they move to new york chicago mm-hmm. these very expensive cities mm-hmm. and then they're trying to pursue something that's not going to pay you for the first decade yeah it's so hard to be creative and i struggle with this the the the, the years that i worked 60 hours doing uber yeah. and then i gotta go be funny on stage yeah my fucking back hurts man. yeah yeah and like and i'm not saying that just to complain i'm saying like yeah finding the light at the end of the tunnel finding like I, i've always said this i wish the money i know i'm gonna make yeah could be paid to me in, in like increments now sure. so i don't have to do the 40 hours a week side gig that i've done for the last seven because years it, yeah. uh, it, it weighs on your psyche more than anything else and i think right. that's where you in particular not to point fingers at you point. but but you struggle with limitations uh-huh. more recently than you used to admittedly you just said you used to be like more into like uh, self-actualizing I used to emanate and, yeah. nonsense just give it to me huh. but now i feel like you you do speak out loud a lot of limitations and they might be small Uh, ones you know minor things but i try to like i'll put my foot down and be like no that's just not the way it is right well it's tough because like and again you're you're right you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right and but in my defense like yesterday i'm at my side job and i meet i'm talking to a lady and her daughter Mm. from boston ah blah 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 they know the guys we fucked girls corinne and and, and, and christina i I love it yeah they're they're, and and i love it you you remind me of corinne just in your intonation you're both jersey so like i feel like you guys even sound alike just from being and and uh and it's like there they started the podcast when we did and again i i know this might sound bitter it's it takes balls to even like express these emotions yeah because no i'm fine but like it's tough when i'm doing my side gig and i'm happy because i got good tips yesterday and i made 24 bucks an hour (laughs) and they're millionaires yeah you know and i don't care what they say they're fucking millionaires but also best-selling authors because they've got more decibels on the end of that number that downloads but i think in terms of i mean I, i i know them both but i know corinne a little bit more and it's not like i mean we're not like best friends or anything like that or not even close but one of the things that i've admired about corinne 
um, along that journey is that it seemed that she was like, I mean, I'm sure she's like happier now. And I've heard her say as much that she is full time doing, you know, this podcast and then her other podcast and comedy and writing and, you know, all creative pursuits. But when she was working at the salon that she was working at before, all I heard from her was gratitude. Yeah. about that side job. And so I don't think that's for nothing. I agree. Absolutely. I agree with you. you know? And I, and I yeah. know, and I know them as I know her as well. And I, I've done shows with her on the road and like, I totally understand. And I'm not operating on a place of scarcity where like, Oh, if they downloaded her podcast, they're not downloading mine. They can listen to both. Sure. It's not that it's just uh, seeing what someone has like going, seeing that they're performing at a place that, you know, you know, you, you do the math, you see someone's at a club, you go, that's a 600 seater. They're making yeah. 40 grand, like whatever it is. And you go, and then I'm at my side gig or like when I'm doing a, a comedy festival, right. I go to Rogue Island comedy festival, my, my hometown. Yeah. And I, and I'm and, and and people are pushing me out of the way because they're waiting for them to come yeah. out from the backstage. But and I think it, the gratitude about the journey, like I, I really, I mean, there's a lot to, to find about both of them, but like that to me has always stuck out about, you know, at least Corinne in particular, I don't mean to say not Christina. I just don't know her quite as well, like to know all the story, but like, I remember, you know, Corinne's post about when she was finally going to quit. And it was basically like, you know, that her work had taken her out to lunch, like to celebrate, the the fact that she was leaving like it was her goodbye lunch and then if i'm not mistaken she like got recognized by like a bunch of people in the restaurant and she's like that was the moment where i was like okay i guess it's fine that i leave (laughs) this job but she was like you know it's i mean elizabeth gilbert talks about this in big magic i don't know if you are into her or anything like that but like so she's the the author of eat pray love but then she's okay you know done subsequent kind of self-help books that are more like on the nose self-help books as opposed to like eat pray love which is a journey that became a self-help book kind Uh of thing but anyway um she talks about you know the gratitude for the survival job you know and how like it took her i think also like a lot of time after e pray love was already successful she was like still i think it was waiting tables if i'm not mistaken but whatever her side job was like she wasn't willing and and ready yet to give that up and i think that that's maybe significant in terms of absolutely the energy yeah. absolutely well there's the office girl too Oh yeah, the girl from the office. Yeah, she like wouldn't office, quit her still... waitressing job. Oh, interesting. Because she, you know, she, I, yeah. I think. Well, I never mind. I'm not going to put words in her mouth. But yeah, another story. I have a friend who's very religious. She's a Christian. Uh huh. And um, when she she was a single mom, um, and she had met a guy that she really liked, and um, she wanted to move into a bigger apartment. And she just started praying every night or every meal, whenever she prays a lot, um, about how thankful she was for her tiny apartment. Yeah. You know, just like, I'm so thankful that we have a roof over our head, we have food to eat. I'm so thankful that we have this space that is ours. Right. And, you know, not about praying because it's, I I think it can be detrimental Mm -hmm. to be looking all directions, to be comparing yourself to others, to be wanting bigger things. Like, of course you should you should have goals and and want 
things, right. whatever they are, you're allowed to want things. Mm-hmm. But I think the second that you forget, yeah. Oh no, I'm doing fine. I yeah. have a good job. My bills are paid. My well, belly yeah. is full. Right. I have a roof over my head. 100%. Those are the things that you need to be grateful for. And that gratitude attracts more abundance. I think that's right. I mean, there's like, I think it was a graduation speech that Oprah gave um, that I saw like a little tiny excerpt of on somebody's Facebook post years ago. And I remember watching it a few times in a row. And in the speech, Oprah's like, I want to say that it is gratitude for what I already had that got me this. And then she repeated it two more times. She's like, let me say that again. Like almost like as if she wanted to be like, listen, yeah, like (laughs) you can do this. And, um, I really, I mean, the thing is that it's, it is difficult. It, I mean, even though, at least for me, every time I've gotten into that mindset, whether it's a gratitude mindset or an everybody loves me mindset, it is way easier to slip into that. It's almost like a very comfortable new shoe. You know what I mean? Like a slipper where it's like, oh, right, this feels so fun and good and like cozy or whatever. But then sometimes you're like, no, but I need a steel boot. (laughs) It's not going to work if I'm not going to wear a steel boot. And I think that there's like this addiction, at least that I can really, to of like that kind of effort and hard work and you got to find a gimmick and you know to bring it back to my dad like I think that that really runs deep for me where it's like if I'm not working like I I, then it's not going to work is the end of that sentence but um uh I also have an addiction to starting sentences and not finishing them but (laughs) recently I don't know if I've told you this but um I've talked about it on stage a little bit but maybe you've been there maybe you haven't but between September 4th of 2018 and I think it was like March 20 something. She's so good with her dates. She knows all of her dates. Well, I mean, I just didn't know the last one, but yes, in general, I think yes. But anyway, so between that period of time, so like a few month period, I have found 26 fortunes on the ground. Like fortunes come out of a fortune cookie? Right, but without the cookie and just on the ground. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's, You're recycling it's, fortunes? It's, you know, I have a framed fortune on my wall. Oh, you do? Yeah. I'm going I'm to look at it When after. I was little, yeah, I collected fortune cookie papers. Oh, like nice. Full on yeah. like boxes. Of do you live like, next to a Chinese restaurant or I something? I don't. <laughs> and and I, I have like, I, I started a spreadsheet just to like, because it was getting to be so abundant that I was like, I don't want to forget this. Like I, I would take a picture with my phone, but I was like, I should really like have them in an album and I should make a spreadsheet and you know just to kind of remember all of these helpful messages because first of all they're so much better than like any fortune I've found in a cookie you know because <laughs> I feel like nine times out of ten I'll find a fortune in a cookie and be like this isn't a fortune like they, you're a I nice would say person. the quality yeah. of fortunes they have like gone suck. down over right. the years but I, I can <laughs> I can share if you want because it's a google sheet Please I do. can share the the spreadsheet where I have the fortune do they lose their value you if you let other people see the fortune? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Stop being superstitious. Oh, that shit. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, maybe, but I, I think it's fine. Um, and they've just been like so fun for me to find. Um, and also they're so good. But the reason that I started on this train is that on November 24th of 2018, I found one. It was right side, right outside of the Pack Theater. So not a Chinese restaurant, not a Chinese restaurant nearby to my knowledge. It was right outside of the bodega that's like almost next door to the Pack, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, 
and I turn it over and they're always like, you know, hiding, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's a lot of false positives in the business of finding fortunes on the ground, like <laughs> straw wrappers and like little pieces of paint or caulk or anything like that. But anyway, so I, I turn it over and it says your effortless, your effortless humor will help someone in need. And I remember thinking like, cause a lot of them are thinkers, yeah. you know, just to give you a, an idea. Cause like they'll say something, but they'll say it in a weird way. Like I got one. I'm not sure if I can remember the date. Oh, uh, mm, I want to say it's March 11th, but I could be off on that. We can check the spreadsheet. If, any, if anyone from Patreon wants the link to the spreadsheet, I'm <laughs> yeah, happy, can I, yeah, happy to Give share. The Patreon members yeah. the fucking yeah, but cool. they, they'll have to just like reach out because otherwise I don't know how to share it like publicly or whatever. But anyway, so um, but there was one this to the point of the weird way of of how fortunes, uh, how some of these fortunes say things, it was, you will step on the soil of many countries, which like is a weird way to say travel. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you could just say travel, but what do you do to a stage? You step on a stage. And so I've, I've like taken meaning from, you know, the way that they've said the things, but anyway, going back to your effortless humor will help someone in need. Like anytime I get one of these, I really put a lot of meaning on it. Like in the sense that I do feel whether it's true or not, and I would never know, at least during the time I'm alive in this world, whether they were in fact intended for me or not. But like, it's pretty fun, right? To like get a message. Like I'm like, this is so for me. Like who's watching me? But anyway, like the effortless humor, I think about a lot because like it's in terms of like the, you know, going back to the question that I feel like I've gone back to the most that you've asked about how does something that's a hobby become a job? It gets difficult. I think for me at least, especially because I do have like a work ethic. I like to try hard. I like to succeed. I'm a good student. You know what I mean? Where I want to do a good job, but sometimes having too much effort can promote the opposite of like what you're intending. And that's not to say, don't get up on stage. Don't listen to your sets. Don't take down, you know, don't try. It doesn't mean that, but like there is this kind of balance. And I think it's not dissimilar from the balance of like caring what people think, but then also assuming that they love you. I think it's sort of in that same family of like the effortless humor is the thing that can help someone not because you're not trying at your job, but because ultimately you can rest on the fact that you're enough. Sure. You know what I mean? Effortless because you've done all the work to like, to, to kind of flex your muscle maybe as to who you are. Yeah. So by the time you get on stage, you go, I got this. Or effortless because it's not about you. Yeah. That's a helpful thing too. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like, it's not for you. It's just, it's just a thing. Well, it's to help someone in need. That's what the fortune says, at least. Yeah. I've or even a, if it's not to help someone in need, it's just, even if it's just a throwaway. Right. It's not, it's, it's almost like it's detachment. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like. Totally. Read the book, uh, um, The Talent Code, and it was kind of like the precursor to the war of mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that when you're learning how to play a G chord on a guitar, you. It's the le- literal only chord I know how to play. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> know, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm just, but it, that you build a myelin, which is like, uh, like what hardens a, a neural pathway uh, in your brain that okay. is actually also what covers um my your myelin sheaths uh-huh it's, yeah that's re- what it is um like eroding is what 
MS is. Oh, it's exposed nerve endings. Which is probably Myelin why sheaves, sheaves huh. like comics brains endings. age very well because I know probably people think of like the degenerates, but like real, like you know when you think of a comic like a George yeah. Carlin or something, they're 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 in their seventy. They're like really just sharp. there. They're sharp, sharp. and yeah. it's and it's because they've they, their neural pathways between their thought and their reflexes. I mean, mm-hmm. they are their processes are amazing. Interesting. And the, the talent codes idea is that like look, hey, like if I want to learn, I've been working on that alpha male joke about how many yeah. eggs in the fridge yeah i have to just say it in the car slowly uh-huh. the way i want to say it so when it's time to rattle it off right it's effortless like, right i That's couldn't true. say toxic masculinity on, uh-huh. a, on a i didn't do a joke today but i had a joke where like i say toxic masculinity and i had a hard time getting that word out. i had to sometimes sound, that happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i just sound it out yeah just like when i'm learning notes when i please to play saxophone you have to sound it out and then uh-huh. you can really hit the run right. you know that like the the science about your neural pathways just like you were saying about repetition and doing it over and over is applicable to mm-hmm. like having a positive outlook yeah or or like attitudes of abundance or whatever because mm-hmm. you were talking about Gratitude, like the shoes yeah. Yeah. you know how it's so easy to slip back into that sort of lower yeah. vibrant v- vibration energy where yeah. you're like thinking more pessimistic thoughts or yeah. whatever um because because it's a popular way of living, you know, like right. it's not popular to like, to like have gratitude and be abundant and think po- positive thoughts. I mean, I guess it's not unpopular, but it, it's not as easy as like the sort of negative constant well, I, barrage world that right. we live in. That's like, that. woe is me. Yeah. And if you're thinking those thoughts all the time, it's like, um, a river through a Canyon. Yeah. Like the more the thought runs through the Canyon, yeah. the river runs through the Canyon, the deeper and deeper and deeper it gets. So the more that you're in the habit, of mm-hmm. those sort of like lazy thoughts, yeah. Then the, that's just that's the the deepest river, the easiest way for yeah. the thought to go. Versus like, yeah, the more effort you put into having a positive thought or a positive outlook every day, the deeper and deeper that canyon gets until it gets easier. Until mm-hmm. it's and your that's first what makes choice. E- that's what makes it feel effortless is because mm. you you're effortless because you've already you've already done this so many times even yeah. if it's a new bit you've already expressed yourself so many times on stage yeah. that you just know the way you like Tasha even I mean like you get what you pay for people if you hire like a shit model they're not gonna have to pose it sounds right. stupid but like you put Tasha for 10 seconds in front of a photographer she gives him 15 different she's yeah. doing a, we did a shoot together I got my thing I got my thumbs in my pockets I'm standing there and she's doing all these different things <laughs> I'm like ah yeah <laughs> she does it effortlessly she knows what she's doing yeah and it's and it's and it's and it's about swimming down that stream effortlessly because right. you've been there before pretend yeah. like you, and you kind of have to pretend you've been there before until you have so yeah. many times that it's like put me up on stage when do you want to go up doesn't matter yeah. i got it yeah. heckler doesn't matter i got it you've yeah. dealt with the hecklers you right. know what you're gonna get yeah that's true and then there's this stephen colbert quote um from i don't know where but it was like about basically like you know similar to what you're saying that um, but I, I thought it was interesting because he says that like pessimism and cynicism masquerades as intelligence. And so there's this attraction, at least at a surface level, that those types of attitudes have because there's this way that somebody's like, well, you know, if I'm cynical, then that's going to make me look smarter. It's and safe. I, It's safe. Yeah. I identify with that, especially as a former academic, because there definitely was this way, like if somebody's giving a paper, you know, defending a paper or whatever, that like 
and, and I was as guilty of this as anybody else of just like the, the best way to ask a question is to like tear down the thesis statement. But the hardest way to pose a question is to add to it, to be like, okay, assuming you're right, what about this? And what about this? And it's like, you know, that like, especially I just take that as an, as an, um, arena because it's one that I used to be in. And so it's familiar to me and because it's one where it's very much about like people trying to look smarter in front of colleagues. And sometimes your job depends on it, especially if you're a pre-tenure, you know, professor in a tenure track environment, you want like, these are the people who are going to vote for your tenure. And like, it does matter that you make them believe that you're smart. But just this idea that like that kind of cynicism is attractive because it seems like and masquerades as intelligence. It's almost well, part and, of the... Uh, and, I mean, it, what I have to say doesn't really matter, but it's like, if you think about it just in like a daily life sort of yeah. situation, like if you're just happy and positive all the time and you always expect things to go well, well, that's not really how the world works. Like a you know, like Yeah, kind of yeah. Like yeah. there are lots of things that could go wrong. Sure. So it is like having some cynicism is is smart, you know, to like hope for the best, but plan for the worst sort of thing. So if someone's coming at, you know, so it makes sense that that's just part of that's not even cynicism, cynicism. That's like you, that's like you're, you're, you're preparing, you're preparing for the worst. Exactly. That's a cautious outlook. But yeah, like Conan said the same thing when Mm. he was being kicked off the tonight show, he was being kicked off the tonight show and he's just, please don't be cynical. Like he was, he cynicism is just like the cancer in this industry. Yeah. And it's, so important to be i mean like yeah it's 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 you know with political issues going on in the world it's easy for people to say i'm on this side i'm on that side but like be the guy who questions everything yeah question everything but not in a negative way just question everything like why are we thinking this way what are we doing and it's like crazy sometimes that you think comics are the last bastion and i don't mean this in like an entitled way but like we're, we're like out there like are we fucking really? This is it. We're the only people wondering like what's yeah, going on out here. Everyone sure. else just picked their team already. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. We're at, we're at a hundred minutes. We got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> we're at ninety four minutes. This was so wonderful. I, we I have know, so much really more nice. to talk to you about, yeah. but we'll just have to have you on yeah, another yeah, time if that's sure. okay. Yeah, of course. Will you be like a local? Like, yes. We love when our our guests come back and yeah, keep updating I'd us on life. Yeah, um, Thanks, I want guys. share your dates. Yeah. Where are you going to be? We have. I know you're going to be back in New York. Oh, you're, yeah. you're you're back and forth all the time. right? I am. Yeah, my girlfriend lives there, so I go back and forth. I don't have anything specific that I'm promoting, but you know, if if you go to my Instagram, which is at Liz Glazer. I do a monthly flyer at the beginning of the month. And then, you know, for shows, I will update like the stories or sometimes a post. And so if somebody wants to come to a show and they happen to be in the area, I think it's pretty easy to find me. And I don't mean to embarrass you, but I loved the post that you said where, where, you know, I mean, all comics are trying to make a full-time fledged living off of this. And you posted that this month, you were able to like make more money than not off of stand up, like different shows. So congratulations on that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's not something that goes unnoticed in the community that like you're sharing that positivity of saying, I I can't do this. I definitely meant it that way. And when I was posting it, I was like, I hope that this like comes across the way that I intend it, which isn't like, I'm really rich, (laughs) you know, able to do. I was just like, well, this is what I set out to do as a goal and you know I the mean the attitude of gratitude yeah. I mean it really is important yeah. to celebrate those little yeah. blessings I think thank you for for validating in the, in that specific way but like in September of 2018 I started making monthly flyers basically I started then because 
I mean, I, I was moving then. So like sometimes moving gives a shift of one kind or another. But I think it was just that I looked at my calendar at the end of August and I was like, I have a not embarrassing amount of or number of shows for September. So I'll like make a flyer. It's not like one day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so title I was like, than a flyer. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And so, so I was like, Oh, I'll make a flyer. And then, um, when I did it, I had in mind, I was like, this is a good practice because now that I know that there's a flyer to be made for the first of every month, then it's almost like the flyer becomes part and parcel of the goal, you know, because it's like, yes, I want to do your show, but also, and like th- your show is actually an example of something that ha- always happens, which is that the month starts but then I'll get a show added, which is totally fine. And it's like, but it's also to your point of like being grateful for the shows that I have. So then there's an abundance. I've never had a month where I haven't had added shows after making the oh, flyer. Yeah. So that's something we to, just don't book the show that far in advance. No, no, I know. I know <laughs> or I don't know. But, but yeah, I mean, that happens like every month and that's totally great. And obviously the point is not the flyer. I understand that, but it's fun that the point has become at least a little bit the flyer because it's like fun. Fun to know you're checking out your water yeah, levels right going, we, exactly. made it, we made it this high this month yeah and, and then- my girlfriend did like um like a pick stitch you know with with all of the flyers recently like we were together and she was like look at how many shows you had on flyers like since you started making flyers and it's just like you know it's it's really just like the gratitude for the show's that are happening, like celebrating when they are. People do come when I've like, not always, but like every now and then somebody will be like, Oh, well I saw, you know, that I was going to be in the same place and you posted. So I came, you know? So, um, anyway, but, uh, but anyway, so, so when I started that, um, practice in September of 2018, which coincidentally for those of you date people, (laughs) those who are like me listening and following along, it's also the month that I started finding the fortunes. Um, yeah, but I had the goal. I was like, it would be cool to have, you know, in a year's time, um, the the same number or whatever like the number of shows is fine but like having them be paying gigs uh also absolutely you know so it was cool to meet that goal now what now okay i know we gotta go but i yeah. want to ask you this uh like what uh, now that i produce the mimosa show i, I get hit up by all these people that want to be course. on shows and, yeah you know some of them are like it's a lot very fresh in the comedy i'm like geez yeah, the yeah. balls for you to even ask for a spot i know because I, i'm just like my catholic huh. guilt's like i've done stand-up for seven years yeah i have yeah. every right to be on a lot of stages sure. and i still don't ask for certain stage time yeah but like what's what's your strategy what's your unapologetic look at like yeah. asking for things because we all know if you don't ask for stage right. time sure people are gonna be like we love you but there's so many there's so many people might not think you're interested yeah yeah but what's like what's your strategy yeah that's it's a great what's your mentality right i if i i mean okay so i had a show on august uh 6th um and it was fine but it was like one that i felt like i kind of reached not necessarily that the show was like above my level but just like i wasn't super friends with the people who made it and then i did like only okay And as a result, I felt really bad because I was like, ugh, I feel like I basically begged to be on this show. And then I like let them down. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to repeat that again. And so ever since then, and again, like it's not a, it's not that I've never, you know, done a thing that was anti this rule, but like if I wouldn't feel comfortable going up to the person in person and looking them straight in the eye and being like, Hey Dave, you know how we know each other and I can ask you a question (laughs) and you'd be like, 
uh-huh also liz you're acting weird i'm like <laughs> you're right because we know each other can i be on your show if i wouldn't be able to do that to a person who i actually have like a human to human connection with who's seen me because i've seen them at mics at shows whatever and you believe that you deserve yeah, to be there like right. this person Correct. is gonna agree with you yeah. and they're gonna want to give you a then chance, i don't course. i don't do it yeah and and it's not to say that you know it's never something that I've done. But like, really, for the most part, that is the case. But that's like, yeah, you want to be undeniable for that next level to yeah. be like, oh, do this show. I guess go, the oh, only yeah, exception is um, when I've like traveled. And then, but even then, I usually what's happened, like I was going to San Francisco in October and I was in New York before I was in San Francisco. I did a mic. I did good on the mic. And there was somebody in the audience. I, I was there with a friend of mine. My friend knew I was going to San Francisco. And then this other person who was a comic who used to live in San Francisco was also at the mic performing and in the audience. And she was like, Oh, you're going to San Francisco. I will totally message this other, you know, couple people because I just saw you and she, you know, sent a really nice email and whatever. And then I got booked on some shows in San Francisco. And so I just like, I have kind of a, it's sort of, you know, like driving, like where it's like, you don't want to slam on the gas, but you don't want to not hit the gas at all. You know what I mean? Like you I don't want to be too tentative. Yeah. But that's, but that comes with like being self-assured. Right. You know, of just right. like staying in your lane, focusing on your stuff, yeah. doing your thing. Like I don't want to get something that's like, oh my God, I got on this show. Like, unless it's like, a booker from the tonight show is like, Hey Liz, I've been watching you. Like, yes, I will be nervous. <laughs> it's because you ride. Yeah. You rise <laughs> with your peers. Yeah, like right. If we're, bo- if we're doing a show yeah. and a few other people are doing a show, I love nothing more when I'm hosting a show where I know the whole fucking lineup. Yeah, of course. There's so many shows where I, where I do and I don't know the yeah. lineup. I don't know how to pronounce this right. person's name. Like today right. was a perfect example where I'm not kidding. And again, with the whole like guys, we fucked thing. Yeah. I don't, it's not, it's not bitterness so much as a reverse engineering sure, that I'm doing where sure. I'm like, I know yeah. we're doing all the same X's and O's. So what do I yeah. do to get to where you are? Right. But with this, with the producing a show, it's like, I am so grateful, mm-hmm. not just for the audience, but for the comics, the yeah. level of comics of friends that are mine yeah. that I can hug and say like, that you're going to like yeah. this guy. And I'm like right. vouching for them. Right. And I don't have to be like faking it where like some shows you just don't know that you're going to, you're going to love this next dude. And then Who you're I've like, and never you, met. And then you, yeah. And then <laughs> never like, seen. Yeah. It turns out it's like the wrong, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it's Jordan, but it's a female. You're like, oh, yeah. I thought it was a guy and whatever. Right, right. And like, we've all done right. that. We've literally yes. misgendered the person I'm bringing yes. up just because I'm like, you're going to yeah. love them. And it's a woman. Uh, but it's yeah the the idea of just like you know like within sales they you know they they tell you like you have to ask the customer for the job mm. you have to mm-hmm. ask them because like you can pitch them all you want but like mm-hmm. you have to make them choose and I do comics, ask it's, I do ask but it's like because I don't I don't I don't often my pride gets in my way oh interesting and, I, and I'd rather work my side job forty hours than yeah. be like hey can I do your show sometime oh no I, I don't but, but, but think about what you're telling the universe by by having that mindset oh I'm no I know I want that I yeah. want I want to be able to be like. I belong on your stage. I know what I'm doing. And I have certain friends and guys like Bobby in the Valley, in the, in the Lancaster where I'm like, let me on your show. I know I go up there and bring it. I know I do. I've proven myself. And they go, who the fuck are you? Why aren't you doing more? I can't, I, and I'm not, and again, I'm sorry. Like I, like for my comic friends, Channing listens. He's probably like, fuck you, Dave. My my buddies, no, my buddies are like, fuck you. But like, I, I've had those people come up and they go, Dave, like, why I'm surprised you don't perform more. Yeah. And I go, yeah, me too. Well, I think but it's I'm also, not asking, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think asking is a good idea. 
Uh, I certainly do it, but assuming the rule that I just stated, like unless I would be able to like, you know, do it that way. And the other thing is I found that as I've asked more, I've had to ask less. Does that make sense? And so I remember it was like a year ago, a little over a year ago that I made a resolution. It was March of 2018 that I was like, I'm going to message people for 10 minutes a day about standup. And I was actually doing, I do debtors anonymous. I go to a lot of anonymous programs. And so in, in debtors anonymous, there was like this like game that people were playing where you pick activities that like you want to do, like, you know, some people were like meditating or whatever, do it for 10 minutes a day. And then you get points for some game. And one of my activities to do for 10 minutes a day was message people about stand-up shows. And so I did it then and I still do it. I don't do like strict adherence to the 10 minutes a day rule. But one thing I've noticed since then is a, I've gotten on a lot more shows since then. And I mean, my, my like main mentor in standup is Mike Kaplan and Mike Kaplan in addition to being an amazing comedian is also has an amazing work ethic. Like Mike Kaplan is, you know, yes, he headlines and he gets paid and does, you know, a lot of high level comedy, etc. But like one of the things I know from being his friend is like he is on stage as much as he can be. And that to me was like a really amazing thing to see in a mentor, especially for somebody who's been doing it for 16, 17 years and has as many trophies as he does and is as good as it as he is and as thoughtful about it as he is. But also he's asking people to be on shows and he's, you know, doing three shows a night. Um, And it doesn't matter, you know, if it's like for four people in a pizza place in Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Like, and that I think more than a lot of other things is really instructive for me in terms of like how to build a career. And so, you know, I, I ask to be on shows because I look at my calendar a month out, you know, and I'm like, okay, like the goal is yes, to populate the flyer because that's been sort of a side game of it, but also, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but also, and I, I invite people to steal that way of thinking about, you know, it's a great visual. Yeah. uh, It's just, it's It's a representation. I'm such a visual person. Like I, my calendar is very important to me. I would be dead without it. Uh, Like I, I, I just need all of the things written down and organized and I organize my finances like that too. Where like, I want to see she prints everything out. Nothing's online. Yeah. She has a hard. Ca- yeah. she, she's a I do hard calendar. Yeah, pa- it's paper, important yeah. for me to see for it because too, it helps yeah. me to I like conceptualize, like understand where I'm meeting my goals, where I'm falling short. It yeah. helps me to be thankful for things. Like yeah. this past week, I had a job where um, I'm like not the main girl. I was subbing for somebody, but yeah. I was like looking at it and I was like, oh my god, I wouldn't have worked at all this week if yeah. I, if it wasn't for this job. So yeah. it made me very appreciative of the fact that they call me all the time to yeah. fill in for people. Right. So it, 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 I feel like it's good to like see the evidence yeah but, I, you know, I, I like, like that you don't, too you don't ever have to ask you you don't work in a world and i don't blame you it's, you don't have to like when's the last time you asked for a gig uh, you either get it or no, you don't you a, go to no, audition. but but there are other things that i do have to ask for like uh, there's this photographer that i've been following for a couple weeks yeah that i really like her work and i want to shoot with her so i want to yeah. i have to ask her to set up a sure. shoot I and i don't know if she's gonna be down Tasha. or not she doesn't know me but we kind of know some of the yeah. same people but um you know I, 
I don't know how I want to challenge you to what's the word populate your poster. Well, populate <laughs> oh. your, I want to challenge you, Tasha. <laughs> populate my Instagram. The audio. I'm, <laughs> I'm pointing at Tasha because there is something you love very much. Now, Tasha's and I, we, we are wrapping up. I know the audience. Yeah. Like, we're not done yet. <laughs> we're like, Ta- like a lot. Like Tasha's bread and butter right now is fit modeling. You know, uh-huh. she works with all these all these different um, designers, and she's really good at you know in the fashions being able to tell them what works and not. And oh, then they, cool. They make yeah. their clothes off of her. She's one of the busiest yeah. in the world. Amazing. Who does this. You can That's only, awesome. Yeah, but <laughs> but with that said, there is a beauty to the what you get out of working with a photographer, going somewhere on a hike or a shoot somewhere, yeah. and doing all that, Tasha. And that's something that doesn't always pay right away. So uh-huh. I'm challenging you to ask more people that you want to work with to work with you because yeah. I believe in well, you. Well, sometimes I mean it's just like you with stand up. Like yeah. sometimes it's it's fun to do things that don't pay anything. Like yeah. sometimes it's more fulfilling to get to like be outside your comfort zone and yeah. like getting a little creative and outside the box even if it's But don't be afraid like putting we, money in your pocket. We've got friends that do photography and they haven't shot you and I know you're like fuck them. I get it. <laughs> it's just like I've got friends who run stand up shows and they haven't put me on. I go, "What the fuck are you doing? Don't you know I do this shit?" Like yeah. I get it. Yeah. But Populate your calendar <laughs> with those things because sure. you don't need any extra of the paying jobs. You've you've got that; it's working for you. But I want to see you more express yourself and meet because you always have fun. Sometimes you hate the photographer and you're like this douchebag didn't know how to take a photo. But a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times, even if you hate it, you get one or two like really good things, and then and then your Instagram reflects that by all the new work that you've you've done and it's and then and then you get to travel the world like we've got to do gigs because that because you've had so much fun doing that you know uh. for all these anyway uh, no uh, this is i'm just i'm, I'm okay, taking the challenge heat accepted yeah. thank you high five <laughs> yeah I'm, i'll take one yeah. too oh, i'll high five you populate your calendar what, yeah. what did you originally say? populate your poster what flyer you, populate your flyer yeah. everyone out there populate your flyer yeah it's at liz glazer yeah uh, that's a z right yeah or, okay oh, two sorry. z's yeah thank you so much for doing the podcast thank come you back for having me anytime yeah, I'd and, love to. and hopefully when i'm in new york i'll run into you. i'll come yeah. to one of your shows because yeah, the yeah. first two nights that's are, awesome are empty but we're i'm doing you're gonna populate your calendar babe. i am but i'm also <laughs> excited i'm gonna go see some of my favorite podcasts i'm gonna go see you oh, know what yeah. dude and a few other podcasts i'm just gonna cool. go hang out while i'm in new yeah. york nice. and then i'm flying to boston tasha's meeting me in boston oh, she's fun. flying from la uh we're gonna get to boston then we're gonna go see my fucking family my cousins my nieces and my nephews everybody i cannot wait cool. to yeah. eat some clam chowder oh yeah with my family for sure we survived the mimosa show today huh. it was, it was a so new good street built on western so avenue yeah we, we literally started the day with no road and we ended the set with a fucking street you killed it i think it. metaphorically maybe that's something that i'm going to make meaning out of like because this was really Boom. i mean for me it was very much a comeback set from a bad week oh good you know and, and do you feel good about it? I do feel good about good. it. And also, like, at the end, there's, like, a paved road. That's got to mean something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People I think, think so. I'm exaggerating when I say the stage was shaking. There was a dude. Oh, yeah. There were literally gigantic true. trucks driving by. It was by vibrating. It, vibrating. Putting, yeah. a, yeah. putting a road down. And yeah. Anyway, we're just, yeah. I could talk all day about it. But ah. thank you so much for being thank on. For Everybody, this is The Sap. Bye. 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 <laughs> that was so great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wow. Of course. We'll do a photo together and then yes. we'll Yes, amazing. The SAP baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was our episode with Liz. 
Tasha Courtney and myself, Dave Neal. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, these long episodes, if we're feeling fun, we're having a good time, we're just going to let it record. You know what I mean? I hope it doesn't scare you away. Some of you guys are like, well, cute at 40 minutes. Look, the longer the podcast, the more entertaining uh, the more entertaining we are to ourselves, and we hope that translates to you guys. Uh, try not to inundate you with um, advertisements. There's no advertisements for the show. Can you imagine? But you're still listening. So this is where I plea for you guys. If you want more content, if you can't get enough, go to our patreon.com slash the sap. That's patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. It's where we are releasing all of our new bonus content. We're releasing extra bonus solo episodes, card casts, uh, interviews that I'm doing with the other podcasts we're putting on there, like behind the scenes content, and also the monthly stand-up show. Uh, this month's stand-up show is going to be in insane i'm not lying we talked about it during the episode there was a literal road being built during the show but the audio is going to be fine you're just going to hear some beep beep every once in a while uh but anyway it's a blast you know we've had you know uh, all of our past comics like dad fan who you can see in season two of the oa but also uh you know you know dude fucking won the first season of the last comic standing we got him to do our stand-up show so ton of amazing comics joe welke uh all these awesome comics liz glazer as you just heard her did our stand-up show so you can listen to all of them on the stand-up i'm going to try to release that for this friday so if you're listening that'll be um what the fuck date is it today the 14th so i'll release that um in a couple days april 14th maybe the 19th or whatever anyway this coming friday we'll have new content for you guys so you're getting at least one new piece of content every week and every dollar you donate is going towards building our podcast empire getting us uh to focus on our creativity we appreciate you guys so much if you just want to make single donations or buy some of our homemade soap or just say hi let us know all new patrons get a handwritten postcard from us we have a new friend named george george the cat is that his name george George the cat just took a selfie. We'll send our postcards to your animals. Fuck it. Fuck you guys. You got a dog or a cat who wants a postcard? Uh, Boone over here will write it. He's got a good working paw. He doesn't need opposable thumbs. We'll get him to lick the stamp. Should we get Boone to like press his fingerprint, his paw print onto the postcard? Anyway, folks, I'm rambling. This was a long episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And again... If, it, if you can find the time, energy, or funds in your heart, go to patreon.com slash the sap. And also, if you don't have the funds, go to the sap on Patreon anyway. I'm, I'm trying to you know, do some public posts too. I'm, I'm putting some blog posts on there as well. So go check out what we've been creating. Uh, it has been a humbling and rewarding uh, venture the last two months doing the Patreon. And I am so grateful for our dozen out there who have subscribed and um, have been active Patreon members we appreciate you guys so much but again keep on enjoying this free content and i i hope you love this one share with your friends and if you haven't yet i know i'm asking for a lot go to itunes write a review leave us some love thank you guys bye the S-A-P.